Hey everybody, I'm your host, Justin Latomsky. Welcome to the B-Side Brands. All right, guys. Uh, well, if everything's rolling on your end. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm rocking. Yeah, right on, let's roll. Perfect. All right. Well, we're talking all about music and the music industry and branding from musicians' point of view. And I'm joined by not one, but two amazing guests, Jay, Ryan from the band, The Honest Heart Collective. Guys, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for yeah, being man. here. Totally. So you guys are surviving COVID. Uh, we're brand new into 2021, so hopefully the, the year looks up a little bit. Yeah, uh -huh. hopefully, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 just... <laughs> You know, it's, it's, every day is the same. It's a ground, it's a groundhog day over here. I mean, but it could be yeah. worse, you know, it could always be worse. And so I'm, I'm, th I'm grateful to be in the position that I'm in and, uh, yeah, just, uh, thankful for, for that. Absolutely. Yeah. I saw, um, through our like Bell MTS center, they just posted that, uh, the weekend rescheduled his tour for like January, 2022. So fingers crossed that like concerts can actually start going. You guys can start getting back into doing shows by the end of the year. That, that be would nice be to... nice. Yeah. We miss it. We miss it a lot, but we yeah. have, uh, we've got a lot of work to do and we got a lot of work to put in, uh, this year. Um, so we're going to be, we're going to be pretty busy regardless, but it, it would be nice to have that like light at the end of the tunnel yeah. to, uh, to work towards. Um, but it, it, it'll come, it'll happen. I mean, it took, even if it takes 10 years, it'll still happen. Yeah, exactly. Do you guys, do you guys make new year's resolutions every year? Do you believe in that kind of stuff? I, uh, no. some years, some yeah. years. <laughs> do you follow through with it? Um, yeah, I've done, well, I've only actually ever done one and yeah. uh, I did it. So right on. But, my I did. A, I, yeah, I did a no drinking for a year. Was was uh, to see if I could do it, but he did that's it. impressive. Yeah, and that's really impressive. It. And yeah, it was it was something else. <laughs> yeah, I, I, every I year. I, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no. You go ahead. I, you were, you <laughs> no, were I was just gonna say. I was like, I don't know if I could do it again, but uh, it seemed easy at the time. But looking back, it. If I had to do it again, it'd be a lot harder, I think, the second time around. Oh, yeah. I don't know like how you could go climates. a whole year. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, like, I guess with COVID going on, it'd be a lot harder. But uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, when you could be still social and you don't need to, you know, let well, loose even, or anything like that. Even pre-COVID, though, like you guys are on tour and stuff like that. I could imagine that drinks are probably flowing pretty regularly. They, they, they can be. We don't we don't drink that much. Uh, no, I don't think no. so we're we're very like we we enjoy our our beverages but you know we're we're especially when we're on tour like we still have a job to do yeah. um so that's that's kind of how how we all play it and and we can kind of we can play better and we can and we just we all play better we sound better and it's just that's kind of the for me anyways like that's the party to me when we when we're up on stage that's when i have the most the most fun even if there's only a few people there um, on, uh, you know, when you go to the East coast and you don't play for that many people, uh, <laughs> you know, that, that'll happen to you. Um, yeah. so it's happened to us twice now, but we've had a damn great time every time we've gone. So, yeah. uh, but yeah, like we don't really drink that much. Um, we says, says the guy drinking <laughs> his, 
his second <laughs> beer of the night. But well, yeah, but you also like I guess when a show is done, it's usually pretty late, and then you got to drive to the next city the next That's day right. and stuff. I think you learn. We learned our. We used to drink a bit more, but you know through the the hardships of the next morning and stuff. I think naturally we just. And with getting a bit older, yeah, oh, no <laughs> being a bit wiser, knowing uh, I don't want to feel sick in the van all day, day tomorrow. So yeah, yeah we're, we're not like, some sleep. We're not a bunch of like twenty to twenty-two year olds in a van anymore. You know, like <laughs> like we've been we've been at this for a while now, um, which is crazy. But yeah, well, let's let's talk about that. So for anyone listening that that may not have heard you, uh, of you guys before, you're a four-piece indie rock band from Thunder Bay, Ontario. Um, you got uh, three full-length albums out, a few EPs. We have, uh, so we have two full-lengths out. Um, a live album. A, li- one, right? a live album, yeah. yeah. So so th- I guess three full-length albums, two studio, one live. And then uh, the very first EP that I recorded in my dad's basement when I was going to college in Ottawa is out. Yeah. Um, we put I put that out in, in 2013, and that's kind of what sparked the band. Uh, and then we've got a couple couple singles, a couple covers out there, and we've got our third record coming out in, uh, I mean, sometime. Nice. Yeah. Sometimes. And I think we time. have a, and then the Johnny Cash EP, I think, is also on Spotify as well. Yeah. I was going to yeah. call that up. That Johnny Cash. Yeah. That Johnny Cash EP is amazing. Like, Thanks, uh, you man. can't see. I, I forgot have, we did it. I, <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> I have a walk the line poster over here and a Johnny Cash album on the wall. I love it. It's amazing. Oh, cool. Yeah. I got live. I got. I got live from. I got uh, live at Folsom Prison on, on the wall. It's uh, a mine's a John, Johnny Cash show record frame. Oh, nice. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Oh, sweet. No, it's it's amazing. It sounds good. So anyone listen to that, like check that out right now. Like that is it's awesome. You guys did a great job with all of those songs. Thanks, man. That means well, a lot. Thank you. Um, so I guess starting at the start, like the name Honest Heart Collective, I know Ryan, this was your project right from the get go. Like how did that sort of, how did that name come to be? Like, why did you land on that? Well, I initially wanted something that, um, that I guess the idea was, I thought I was getting old. I was 22 years old when I finished college. Uh, and I thought I was reaching this point where I didn't think people, I could find a set lineup to tour with me. So that's kind of where the, the collective sort of came from. Um, and then like, as to what to call it, uh, it basically, I, I ripped it off from my, one of my favorite video games. Um, the, the honest heart part is from a a video game that I is near and dear to my heart. And, uh, yeah, it just kind of, you know, the honest heart collective and it just kind of stuck. Yeah, no, I like that. And going back to that idea, like you had that idea of it being sort of rotating musicians. You exactly. Then that's where the whole collective is supposed to come from because I just didn't think I could get a, a set lineup, like a set lineup of guys to to commit to something that seems so crazy. But yeah. you know, then I came home and Jay started playing with uh, with my brother Nick and I, and he wasn't going anywhere. And then we went through a couple couple of guitar players, but then. Kevin joined the band and he made it very clear he wasn't going anywhere. So then we, you know, I was like Ryan McDonald and the Honest Heart Collective at first. And then we just dropped my name from the front of it. And it's been the four of us ever since. And it, was that like sort of a hard shift to get into for you? Like a different change of mindset, wanting it to be or thinking about it in one way and then kind of going into this new, you know, you got four solid 
steady permanent members now in the band? Was that difficult or was that sort of just a natural progression of everything? It was a little difficult being completely, just to be completely honest. And I'm sure Jay can attest, you know, Jay's been uh, very chill um, about it. Um, And, you know, he was very easygoing the whole time, but I definitely for a while, even after we switched it and it was a band thing, like kind of ruled over everything with an iron fist, you know, because when you have, and and just not like to paraphrase Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters, right? When you have this song idea and you can kind of know how you want everything to, 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 you have a vision for it and you kind of know how you want everything to sit. And that's not necessarily fair um, when you're in a band of four equal parts, you know? So it, it did take me a, a while. Um, and like, I'm very thankful and grateful to our, to, you know, Jay, Nick and Kevin for dealing with me in that, that long transition period that, you know, sometimes isn't, isn't over. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's definitely a, uh, a fault of mine that, uh, I'm working on. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was difficult to, you know, to answer the question. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's always tricky. Like I've, I've done like the little basement bands and stuff growing up here and there. And that's when, when you started, it's your project. It's tough to let go of the reins, especially when you're primarily songwriting and you see that vision, you're like, no, do it this way, do it this way. It's always tricky. Uh, so like Jay, why did you stick around? Like, how come you played in the band and you wanted to be a permanent member on this whole thing? And, and Ryan's this crazy overlord seeing the, (laughs) how come you want to stick in? Uh, I don't know. As you get older, I guess looking back on it was, um, I guess, I don't know. How's the a big question i've never even answered this question before (laughs) it it is a big question um, yeah i always wanted to be in a band and i think the biggest part for me for joining the band was the feeling of inclusiveness i guess that i've kind of resolved to at this point in my life and um ryan dropping the name was i guess that that symbol of him pretty much saying like yeah this can be an inclusive thing like this is everyone's equal parts um I do, like, and it went through growing pains. Like it's not, it's easier said than done. And then there was, there's times where it didn't feel inclusive. There was times where it did. Um, but ultimately that was always the goal and we've all strived to make it feel that way. And I do think it is that way. And I think deep down through the thick and thin it, you always kind of knew that like, that's what we all want and we're going to work towards it. Yeah. Nice. Ryan, I remember you said in an interview one time that uh, the collective wasn't just sort of the band. It was everyone that surrounded the band as well, which I really love because that kind of fits into your whole the whole like motive of why you want to start this whole thing to begin with. How do you guys like pick and choose who you align yourself with, like your graphic designers, your managers, like your merch team? Like how how do you guys pick and choose who belongs in the collective and who fits with that collective? (laughs) They're just all our friends. It's, and that, and that's the, the the best part of it. Like our our graphic designer and the guy and he designs all our merch and everything is our 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 buddy Keenan. Um, and he he was in the band for a little bit. Um, but you know he started his graphic design career started taking off, and he he's just always been there for us. You know he's been doing you know helps us out with getting our album layouts. And he always, you know, every time we hit him up being like, Hey man, we, we need to get the, you know, this done. And like, he just puts us to the front of the list and he, he uh, you know, the best that he can. And, you know, our, our, our sound guys, uh, you know, our engineers, um, the, the ones we take on the road are, you know, 
my buddy Brent from college. He was one of my best friends in college and he's still one of my best friends today. And, and then here at home, we have our buddy Alex and he is incredible. And he, he makes me feel so, both of those guys make me feel so comfortable when I know that they know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. and, and so stuff like that, you know, our manager, Jason has been with us for since 2015. Uh, no, 2014 now. And so he's been on the team for forever. And, and it's just, it's just our friends, you know, we want to make it, make this thing so we can make music with our friends, you know, our, our buddy, Derek Schaefer, who I was just uh, on, on a zoom call with, you know, he, he's one of our, he's like our, our, our roadie. He, he, and we absolutely love him for merch, daddy. merch manager, tour daddy, roadie, <laughs> like backline tech, a, a, anything you can name. That's that he kind of is a the jack muscle. of all trades and he he's on his back and he calls <laughs> us. You know, there's, there's been a few nights, a few nights he's thrown me into the van. So, uh, you know, he, and that's, and that's the, the thing, like, it was just everybody in the, in the organization is just our friend and we want to keep it. We want to keep it that way because you're loyal to your friends and you don't want to let your friends down. And so we're all here working towards the same common goal and, and we're, that's how we're going to make it there. Yeah, that's amazing. And for the most part, are you guys like the whole collective, everyone that surrounds the band, are you guys all from Thunder Bay or at least for the most part? Yeah. Yeah, Jason, yeah we're all Jay from Thunder Bay. Jason's from, oh. from Southern Ontario. He's from Toronto. Yeah, like, uh -huh. uh, the, like the band members like are all from, are, are from Thunder Bay. Yeah. Gotcha. So what was it? So, I mean, Winnipeg's not too far away from Thunder Bay, but I can't even think of the last time I've been to Thunder Bay. What was it like sort of just growing up there? Because clearly it's a big impact on who you guys are as a band. But like, what did you experience? What are some fond memories of Thunder Bay for you guys? Um, well, for me, I think it's like the perfect mixture of like the, the feeling of a city and a home, I guess. Like it's, it's, it feels like a city, but it's, it's very cozy at the same time. Um, growing up, I didn't ever, I was never aware of how isolated we were because a lot of people who find out we're from Thunder Bay think like, Oh, like that's in the middle of nowhere. Like, <laughs> but it never really felt like that. You're always surrounded by, um, by what you felt like was a city, but it also has a lot of green space too. So you kind of get the best of both worlds um, of that, feeling like you're living in the big city until you go to, until we went to a big city and, uh, and then, yeah. And also close to nature. So that's what it feels like for me. I guess. It's a, it's a pretty blue collar, like working class town. Hey. And like, yeah, I know there's, so. there's like, like paper, weren't there like paper factories, paper, paper yeah, mills we have a paper like mill. That? Yeah. yeah. And then we also have, um, there used to be a, as well. Yeah. There used to be a lot of paper mills in in the northwestern yeah. Ontario region and and in ports, and so it was very, very uh, working class, um, you know, working class town, blue collar, uh, and then, you know, we can't grow trees like Mexico and South America can. Yeah, and it just sort of started to die out. There used to be like five in the region, maybe six, and now there's like two. Really? Holy yeah. smokes. I think there's one up like Gerald, like somewhere up highway 11. There's another, uh, there's another town that has a paper mill and could be wrong. There could be, there could be another one, but yeah, it's it, like, it's the, the numbers drop significantly and the jobs just, 
the jobs just aren't there, you know, as they used to, like used to any guy used to be, and, or, you know, anybody used to be able to go out of high school and get a job working at the mill, a, a good job that would, that would pay you enough money so you could raise a family and buy a house and, and all those things. And that, and that, those jobs just, they're not all that amount of jobs just aren't there anymore. And, yeah. you know, and then you could see it. There's a, we have an area of town um, called Simpson street. And it was once like the happening area of town. And you can see that used to be have all the mom and pop shops. And then big box kind of came in when like Walmart and they started building up the intercity area between the two townships that make up Thunder Bay. And it just kind of wiped out all the mom and pop shops. And that, yeah, it's, it's a sad, you know, that's, it's definitely kind of a, a sad hit part of the history of, of, of our city, but, um, Ryan remembers Thunder Bay differently from his childhood than I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, I no, he's, you know. he's not wrong. He's, it, it is very true. Like, yeah, we're, we're not as definitely as blue collar as we used to be. And like, mm-hmm. we do definitely have those rough parts of town and, uh, yeah, like, yeah, like both, like we, we, um, like we have bombardier and stuff too. And like, they're not, they don't have as many contracts going on. Like they make all the rail, like all the carts for, um, the TTC Toronto in Toronto, and the TTC. Yeah. I almost said TCT, TTC, and uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah. So yeah, it's uh, it used to be a very blue collar town. You knew somebody like growing up. You knew somebody in forestry or at the mill or worked at Bombardier or did something of that nature. Everybody's worked at a port. Like everybody older than you that you know, like worked yeah. at some sort of you know grain elevator of some sort and stuff like that. So. Absolutely. And I mean, I think it's true what they say, like the town shapes, like who you guys are, right? Like if anyone listens to your music, like you can kind of hear that blue collar kind of coming through in a lot of your, your songs and everything. How do you guys, like, can you put into words, like how growing up in Thunder Bay really made, made you guys like shaped who you are, style, music, songwriting, everything? Like how did that affect it? It's, it was, that's always a weird question. Uh, when like, not that it's a bad question. It's just like, thinking about how to answer that is always, uh, is always tricky. You know, you want to kind of try to give a, a real answer without trying to make it sound fake or rehearsed. But at the, at the end of the day, it's just, I wouldn't, and none of us wouldn't, we wouldn't be who we are if it wasn't for the fact that we live, lived here and grew up with these experiences, you know, like taking that first, you know, those first drives down Simpson street, or like when I was living in in the South end in West Fort, you know, seeing like your house was okay, but a couple, you know, down the street, there's a couple houses that were completely falling apart and, you know, not under really understanding, um, those things. And like, like we weren't well off as kids, you know, like my, my parents, my mom was a travel agent. My dad was a, was a union man and, you know, working class family, uh, for sure. And, and it's just, you kind of, those things kind of stick with you, I guess. And you might not realize it at the time. Uh, you don't even realize it. We, I never really even realized it when we first started the band, you know, that, but then like you grow up and now I'm 29 years old and I can, I can, I can see how those experiences kind of impacted the, the way I write and how how we we've told you know we tell our stories in our in, in songs and stuff like that um 
especially on on grief rights like i really flexed flexed that songwriting muscle um a lot mm-hmm. uh and yeah that's that's sort of uh that's that's i guess that's the the most honest thing i could say about about that yeah and I, i'm happy you mentioned actually grief rights because that was the one i was thinking of like that whole album is like sort of that ode to the working class thunder bay like north american dream and everything off that album really hits like hits true to who you guys are yeah that's and that's what i mean like i haven't like i've i've had barely any money in my bank account since i was 16 years old you know just like getting by paying bills and somehow every year my bills go up you know and that it's not somehow i know exactly how it happens <laughs> but that's just yeah it's just the way it is um if a member left the band would they have would they have to be replaced by somebody from thunder bay I don't know if we'd be. I don't. I don't know at this point. It might be weird. It, I, it, You're not going to grab anyone from like Miami, Florida. It's like or, a four. It's like a four way marriage. So like, <laughs> we honestly like. If like them, it, 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 I feel like if anybody did leave the band, there'd just be such a. I feel like I leave. It would like losing a limb. Like I just feel like I'm. I'm done. Like I need to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like I don't know what. I honestly, if I don't if, really what, want to do it, if it's not with any of them, kind yeah, of. Yeah. I don't. I don't want yeah. to think about. It. That's it. Just next question <laughs> i would maybe do it with like someone else like you know what I, I it would just have to be maybe something different down the road or something like through all the time and healing or whatever it would be but uh it yeah also, it, i've it, never had that like what would we do like we i've never even thought of it because it doesn't really seem like a, a viable option so. yeah the other thing is that we still owe the banks a bunch of money off for for the for paying for grief rights so <laughs> uh we actually contractually can't leave until that's paid off yeah so we tried to get jimmy to sign, to sign <laughs> in on the debt because we wanted to we wanted to cut the debt a little cut bit. the debt by a fifth yeah 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 <laughs> so you're you're a four-piece indie rock band from from canada from ontario i i can imagine there's a lot of other bands out there that kind of fit the bill like what did you guys do starting up that you figured was going to be your niche that you were going to you know do better than all the other indie rock bands from ontario was going to do well you tell me because <laughs> i haven't figured it out yet <laughs> no I, we haven't well the start of the band it was just to be listen like for me it was to be listenable because like i didn't know what bands our size were like because we were from thunder bay we were so isolated like going on our first tour i had no idea what to expect i was completely like you know going on tour just seemed like this thing that only big band like huge bands got to do and then when i was given the opportunity i just didn't want us i just didn't want us to suck like i just wanted <laughs> us to like go to our first city and not get booed off the stage that was kind of like my goal and uh i was pretty yeah. shocked with the with the uh the reaction we got we didn't get booed off the stage so and uh, everybody who worked at the we only really played for the staff at the bar um it was awesome, <laughs> but everybody, but everybody who was there bought bought our bought the first EP, and they every time we go back to Guelph, they still ask for us to play songs off of it. Yeah, nice. so yeah, so, it was uh, yeah, yeah. I guess when I started the band, I guess the my goal was to not suck. <laughs> that, oh, a hundred, a hundred percent. I didn't was, even know what I wanted. I didn't even really like rock music at the time. I just did it because Ryan asked me to be in the band and I grew up looking up to Ryan and Nick because they were in a metal band that I used to love. And I was like, I'll play anything that you guys are playing. Like I still like metal, but I'll play rock. And yeah. then I just 
you know, close, fake, close, fake, close fake rock drumming until I <laughs> got to like, you know, got on the stage or whatever. Yeah, and, uh, it's just kind of the and and that's the other thing too, right? Like especially when you're starting out as a band, it, it's hard to transcend like your your local music scene. Whereas you know even you know even if you have a bunch of people, and we had a, we had a pretty a pretty we still have a good music scene um, here in Thunder Bay. Uh, just to preface this, but how do you get the, how do you grab the attention of people who don't regularly go to the Black Pirates Pub every weekend, right? Like that was that was always sort of the that was the first goal, you know. And then then we you know started playing at, at a pub up this up the street from there called the Foundry, and they had this crowd. A, kind of a built-in crowd. So it was always 50-50 when we play there. 50% of the people would be there to see the show and the other 50 were just there. And then eventually it grew to like 100% of the people were there. And then we sold, oversold out two nights for the Grief Right CD release show there. And then like stepping it up, the next time we played a show in Thunder Bay, we played the the 600 cap club and sold that out as well. So it was just like finding... I get, it just stuck like there's and it's the, the beauty the beauty of it is is that anytime you come to a, at least a, a, a hometown on a heart collective show the age range of the people that are there are everyone from 19 year olds to 65 year olds <laughs> and it's the cool it's the coolest experience it's the coolest yeah. thing that, that that we kind of have this broad net market that we that we've attached to and, and and the support from the hometown crowd has been amazing so that that was a always like a, a big first goal and then it took a couple of years to achieve and we had to go on the road and put a bunch of miles and lose a van and crash a van and yeah i heard about that um you know so we've been through a couple vans now um as a band <laughs> and 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 that's just how it, how it works and it, it worked out for us great and now like people you know, we can't, we're at a point now where, and, and I think this is really cool where our manager can shoot an email to the people at the Horseshoe Tavern and they, you know, they, instead of just them saying, yeah, you can play for free on the Tuesday, they're asking us which, you know, which, which night we're free. So it's, it's been, it's been really cool to see those steps, all of those steps as a, as a smaller up and coming band. Mm-hmm. Something you're doing with the sound, with your style, with the live shows, it's doing, it's doing it. It's yeah, it's working. And like, it's yeah. not, it's not that flash in the pan, like overnight success. And I had a friend of ours, uh, tell me that like, dude, this is, this is going to be a slow grind. If this is what you're going to do, it's great, but it's going to be a slow grind. It's going to take a while to get the attention of a mass amount of audience. And you guys are going to have to put in the work and he said, yeah, this is, this is what we want to make, you know, this is what we want to do. So let's, let's, let's make it happen. That's awesome. You should pull a fan aside one show and say, why do you even listen to us? Why'd you come? What do you like? Oh, they tell Dude, us. The- <laughs> they told us. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, that's great. And I, I think it, your sound is broad enough. Like you said, like it, it kind of fits this wide range where you can have that crazy age range at some of your shows where you know, people can relate to it on all, all different levels. I know when, when I first heard it, like heard you guys, I think it was line work is the first song or line work or, or uh, fine, I think was one of the first ones I heard. And I think there's just something about it where everything coming out nowadays, it was trying to be like so much, 
Like it was just trying to add a little bit, um, you know, synth elements to it or, or, you know, there's hip hop elements into it. And, and it was just kind of nice to hear something that was real and sort of authentic and, and, and actually it reminded me, and I, I don't know, I hope this is a compliment for you guys, but it kind of reminded me of, uh, the trues, like the original trues kind of stuff, oh, cool. yeah, like that, that blue collar Canadian. Canadian. Yeah. yeah. It's a very, yeah, Canadian but there's a sound. member from Thunder Bay actually in that band. Yeah. The keyboard players from Thunder Bay. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It was sort of this nostalgic sound. Yeah. Like I, like we are, like I would classify us as a rock band, like with indie tendencies, Mm-hmm. But a part of us feels like a little bit against the grain, I think, just because of what you hear on radio most days. Um, you know, it's very, you know, pop and, you know, rap and, you know, those sort of genres are what's kind of taken over the radio these days. So uh, trying to be, you know, trying to bring rock back has been a bit of a, you know, a little bit of an uphill battle. But um, we've always just we didn't want to be the band that was like a chameleon, like just kind of went with whatever was current. We just always knew that, like, we want to stay true to our our sound and write the music that we want to write, and not let you know those sort of industries dictate what we write. So that's kind of, I guess, what makes us like, I guess, true to our nature as writers. I guess is the maybe way to say it. But yeah, it's just honest. You know, we we just it's a little on the nose. But yeah, yeah. But <laughs> you know, it, it, we we are we're a bunch of honest hearts. Yeah. <laughs> A but, collective, but if yeah, you will. It, it were a collective yeah. of honest hearts. You know, it was just about being honest about about the music that we wanted to play. Yeah, um, we wanted to be transparent, and and it, uh, and, it, and it's weird, even when we do kind of deviate, because because you know, line work doesn't really sound anything like on you know anything from grief rights, but it still sounds like us, you know, and it's that 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 next step of that that maturity, um, and that that songwriting and production and and stuff like that to really, uh drive the evolution of this band um forward yeah talking about uh, a little bit about style and just sort of uh like your brand identity like your logo those fonts and everything like that like like you mentioned like a good friend of yours is a graphic designer who is kind of helping you guys right from the get-go which is super convenient but what was that process like for you guys to figure out what a logo should look like what your font style should look like how you should design your website like how did that work we just said, "Hey, Keenan, can you help us?" <laughs> yeah, and it was we, done. We put a lot. Of, we put a lot of trust in Keenan. He's a very talented uh, graphic designer, and he actually toured with the band for a while. Um, and he knows us so well, and he knows the music. You know, he helped write some of it. And um, it's funny. I'm actually we- I'm wearing one of his company's T-shirts right now. Sorry to interject. Nice, but and it looks great. <laughs> yeah, no, he he just you know his name's Keenan Kozlowski, and he. He just crushes it. He's he's and doing we put a lot of trust in him. And, so and yeah, he made it easy for us. He it wasn't a process. What he'd seen, and um, he's never really had to like change any of his designs to make us happy. He's always come back and gotten a good result, positive reaction from us. So the the only negative is when he sends us like too many good mock-ups and then we like argue over which one we need to print. Cause we yeah, can really afford a war. to do one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then it, then it, we, all gets, <laughs> we all have different favorite colors. So. Then it gets, then it gets <laughs> tricky. Yeah. It's, it's strange. That's the benefit of having like a close knit group, like your friends and everything working with you. Right. Cause they just understand you guys so well. They can do great work and you're not having to go back and forth like with an ad agency or something like that to try to figure it out. Yeah. Like we don't like we just don't have to we don't have to worry about it. Like we, yeah, just, we try to keep things as in-house as we can. And it's just the way we that's how we feel comfortable. And uh, 
Yeah. It's... How about the look for you guys, like up on stage? Like, did you ever go through that like process? Like bands do, they sit down like, well, we have to wear this and we have to look like this. And did you see this band? We should emulate what they're doing. Or did it just kind of flow naturally for you guys? I did this thing for a long time where I just wore a white t-shirt while I played. Like that was like my thing. I had like, I had a, a I went on, we went on tour and I had a million white t-shirts. Um, but now like other than that, like everybody just wore what they wanted to wear. Like nobody really dictated. Like, I think we, I think we might've did like, we did that one show, um, where, uh, we were playing at this legendary, uh, like rock club in Ottawa. And it was the very last night. And it was like the first show that we all just wore all black because it was the last, it was closing down and we were the last band to play. So we, it was like kind of like a, a, a wake almost. Mm. So we, but like other than that, like we'd never really done anything. It's just kind of any gimmicky stuff like that. We're just four dudes with, you know, a decent sense of, sense of style and, yeah, people probably think that we do because, like, there was a time where we all had van shoes on stage, Levi's five tens. Um, but we and, just we're all like we're all that, the same that's just size. all who we are. Uh, yeah, no one ever sat down and said like, "What color vans are you wearing tonight?" We just <laughs> we all just had we. That's yeah. just all the we all wear we all wore each other's clothes kind of thing, and uh, yeah. that was kind of yeah. I still have one of Jay's old flannel shirts that, that I saw. I literally brought that up to Lauren the other day, my partner. I brought it up. I was like, yeah. Ryan has one of my flannel shirts still. <laughs> There's not <laughs> a fucking... Like, Why don't you get it back? I was like, well, it doesn't... It, I said, well, because he told me that he was never going to give it back. And he told me it didn't fit. It, and she's it, like, oh. Was, and then I was like, but it doesn't. He's right. <laughs> it was... There was... Like that shirt, at the, at the end of that shirt's lifespan, it barely fit me. And so, like, there was no chance it was going to fit Jay. Because Jay, this is this was, like, Jay's peak physical fitness. So, like, we're talking, like, he had some What are fucking, you saying? You had some muscle. <laughs> like, you, had, you your arms weren't, weren't going to fit in the arms of that shirt. So, I never Jay, gave it back. they fit now? What the heck? <laughs> so, I, I never gave it back. Um, but, yeah, like, honestly, seriously, like, we all just, like, we were all virtually the same size. Like, there's something in the water over here. <laughs> um, you know, our, we have a, we, we have a touring, uh, keyboard player who plays with us, uh, sometimes and his name is Jim Breslin and he's from Southern Ontario, but he moved up here for school. Uh, but he's like, he's like massive. He's like six, six. So there was one interview where, uh, they had us, we were doing drinking beers and mm, doing at an the interview brewery there at yeah. the brewery and Jim, like it's the four of us. Literally like this, and that that little dip is me because I'm the shortest. But like we're all pretty close. But then Jim is like this, and Jim hated. Jim's like I'm never doing an interview standing next to you guys again because I look like the fucking bodyguard. Like that's what I <laughs> crouch down, Jim. <laughs> yeah, man, get shorter. Join the extra large boys club. <laughs> Youth large. <laughs> So, uh, so a big reason why I wanted to have you guys on the show, obviously, like music's a big part of my life and obviously I'm, I'm involved in branding and marketing in my, in my nine to five and, and I love it. What I, I love the fact that, you know, we talk, I talk to companies a lot of the times and I'm like, we always preach like your brand is, is, uh, that immediate gut reaction and that, um, that emotional connection that your audience has with your product and your service and that connection to you. And I love 
like music and, and musicians brands so much because that immediate gut reaction happens when you release a song or two that just resonates with somebody. Like you get that instant connection if they pick up on exactly what you're putting down. But do you do you ever feel that pressure that when you hook somebody in with a, uh, with a good song that they're connected with that you need to follow it up with something else good that you need to make sure you look good that that every interaction with you guys is sort of resonating with that fan to keep them on the line or do you guys just kind of go with the flow and see what happens we used to think like that a lot it was everything ha- like everything we did whether it was just the daily instagram post like we were doing that for a long time. And now we fucking barely this is part of my French, but we barely post on there um anymore because we really don't have much going on um at this point. We're going to have lots going on, so we'll start ramping that up again. But we used to think that we needed to to be there. It needed to be we needed to be the constant noise in our in our fan base is life to keep, to keep their attention. But what we've learned and part of it is growing, you know, growing up, but the other part is just like this pandemic has shown us that our fans are our fans and they're going to stick around and we don't have to be constantly bothering them with, with our, you know, with, Oh, here's a picture of Jay. Happy Jay. You know, have a good Jay. Like that, I remember <laughs> making a couple posts of Jay smiling like that, and they were great posts, highly interacted. But you know, there's so much stuff going on right now that unless we, you really have something important to say, like you really, like we've got these new songs coming, coming in that are ready to roll, and we put a lot of work into it, and they mean a lot, and we hope they'll mean a lot to you. Like that's what's really important. That's what people are, are looking for right now. You know, there's so much stuff and advertisements and and news and 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 doom scrolling that mm-hmm. and none of us really like it anyway yeah i don't know yeah. like, like i guess I naturally yeah naturally i think the is that we're not really a social media like we're none of us are really into social media um it, it's a little cliche to say that we're just a rock band but i think that's like genuinely what we are um the yeah, like ryan said we did go through a time where you know, we were advised and told like, you got to post at this time at, you know, you, you get all the tricks to the, the trade of how to be current on social media. And we did try that, but it always felt unnatural for us. And, um, we were just worried though, if we stopped making noise that people would stop looking. But, um, yeah, like he said, like when COVID started, um, you know, we would post very rarely, but anytime we put the same amount of interaction, people were still, excited people were still people are still messaging us like hope you guys are still writing music miss you guys this and that and yeah you didn't notice a drop off no like we, no we, no like we actually got like we we've actually had some surplus numbers too like some months like where i've noticed that we're we're tr- you know trending more than usual and we haven't been doing really anything so um so like yeah. for for example we have these Ontario small business grants and because the band is a business, we, we, we looked into it and the rules state that in order to be eligible for the grant, you have had, to, you had to make less money in April of 2020 than you did in April of 2019. And unfortunately for us, that was the year that, 
or that was the month, the one month of, of 2019 where we didn't play anywhere. We didn't do like we, we were off that month. And Mm -hmm. then, so we just had our streaming royalties to go off of. And it turns out that 2020 streaming royalties in April were much higher than they were in 2019. So if that's, and like that, if that says anything, like, that's sweet. <laughs> it, it is. It is bittersweet because it, yeah, it, it's it, like, oh, sweet, we're doing better than last year, but now we yeah, so we need more like, money. Yeah, yeah, we didn't qualify, <laughs> and that's been that's been like a tough tough thing for us to get around. But we've been we've been managing, we've been making it work, and and still, you know, surprisingly been able to keep preparing for the for the next record that we're that we're gonna work on. And so, yeah, it's just it's just a lot. But, yeah. you know, you don't, like, I don't know. We just figured out that where our place was in our current, with our current fan base, you know, that they're not going anywhere. They still listen to our music. We're going to, you know, we put out a Christmas song in December and mm-hmm. it crushed as far as, you know, being really, you know, it had a just over a two week run from when it was posted till after Christmas. and we were very proud of it that we, you know, we recorded that ourselves. I mixed it and mastered it. And then we put it up on Spotify and, and it got hold of some of the big, like the biggest Christmas playlist in Canada. Really? And, yeah. And, and then our first American Spotify playlist as well. So, which was punk Christmas. <laughs> uh, so you guys are a punk band now. I see. Oh, you know, we have those yeah. attitudes. You know, it's a, it, punk is a is mentality. It's not about yeah. it's not about how gainy your guitar is. You know, yeah, it's a lifestyle. It is. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So, it, it, like, you're you're really leveraging that feeling, right? People feel it. They're going to stick around. They're going to keep listening. They're going to keep investing in it. You don't. You're not going to overwork it and try to be something you're not. They're going to connect by feeling. No, exactly. And, you know, and, it, and it's those, it's those bursts, those rare bursts. Like we sold this summer, we sold the most t-shirts we've ever sold on our online store. And just by having, being, laying in wait and pouncing <laughs> at the right time. I want to talk a little bit about uh, your live show because talking about feeling, I mean, even as an audience member being right in the audience and, uh, you know, you're packed wall to wall fans there to see a band you're on the back after your of your set and you pull out like something like lonely bones or something the whole audience starts singing that feeling right in that moment is insane and it's something that un, is unmatched and even going back to corporate brands like there's not a corporate brand in the world that can ever have that emotional connection with their audience that a band can have with their audience right there in that moment and your live show is is next level like what was the work that went into like getting like planning that and and getting that experience to what it is now. Are you talking about the Lonely Bones live video we posted this year? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You've done you've done your research and that makes me very happy. And I'm be more <laughs> more than happy to spend the next hour and a half with you. Um because you know, you go you do so many interviews where like nobody really does the research. So when you see somebody who's like really digging deep to to, <laughs> to pull things out, it it's impressive. So thank you. Thank you it's for a, that. It, it's a fan mentality also too. That was a that show we did, it was June, 2019. And it was a very, very large endeavor on our part. Um, because we had done our first show at that same venue and, and sold it out. And we were like, okay, hey, can we do it again? But with higher production 
and a higher ticket cost to cover that higher production. And I remember when we said that the tickets were $20 at the door, um, 15 in advance, but 20 at the door, a lot of people in the music scene who are super used to it being like, you go to a club for, or you go to the, the pub for $5. We're like, you guys think you can do that now? Not realizing that, you know, we spent a ton of money getting that backdrop made. Cause we, we were looking at the, 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 the post game footage from the first time we played there being like, yeah, having this, like the black, uh, wall was kind of weird. So we should probably put something up there next time, but it has to be like fireproof. So it's gotta, it, it just, and it's gotta be huge. So it costs a ton of money. And then we actually, with you being from Winnipeg, we actually brought a lighting crew, uh, friends of ours, more friends of ours from Winnipeg. So we brought them up. And so it was just like the production costs just went, were just so much higher on a show like that. <laughs> and we, we brought in, uh, we brought in a, a, a fellow recording engineer, uh, named Rob, Rob Nickerson, uh, here in town. And he, he recorded the whole set for us. Um, and then yeah, and just like having our own hometown sound guy or sound engineer Alex and uh, Ish and Eric uh, from Win- or from Winnipeg, I believe it's uh, Red Rover uh, Entertainment is the company they work for. Um, hey John, if you if you ever hear this, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so the, like just we brought together this whole crew of people, and you know Keenan designed the backdrop, and then that was that was the most sold shirt we've ever had in one night because we put that same logo on the shirt and people, you know, because you were able to draw that, that like, well, we will, that's the shirt you're wearing. Actually. Um, we will always have a shirt when we go on tour and we could put that backdrop up with that logo on it as like a brand thing, because we know that people are going to buy it. Mm-hmm. Um, because you can see it big up there and then you have that to take home with you as well. So, that was uh that show was really really important to us and and we were very happy i wasn't like thrilled with how i played that night um i i do remember that but as an experience you know people were blown away that that we were able to pull that off and i was blown away we were able to pull it off i don't know how you feel jay uh oh it was really good uh I was just like thinking while you were um, explain like talking about the production. And I think uh, that was like the first show that we had a production like that. But before all the live shows that we would do, um, we didn't have that type of production line. So we always thought like, how do we make this live show entertaining if we don't have the lights, the backdrop, um, things like that. And um, uh I guess growing up with, we listened to a lot of metal and we were like, we always went to warp tour and stuff like that. And, um, I think there was a lot of energy in those shows, I guess. And we kind of transferred that over into like our rock playing. So, you know, just rocking out really hard and moving around, just that energy on stage. Um, we, we kind of, um, always kind of had an energetic show, I guess you could say when we would play. So I guess, um over time when we finally got to do that mix that with like a big production it it was kind of like this big explosion yeah we we were ready for it you know we, we, yeah, we were ready for it we we'd we'd been, every show we played we were rehearsing like we had a big production line and um and that was the first show 
that we actually got to do it with like, you know, the smoke machines and our own lighting system and, uh, and our, and, and our own crew to, to run it. And, you know, we did, uh, that show is also really cool. Cause we, somebody, somebody made a, no, not somebody, uh, a, a very good friend of ours named Bruce Linder, uh, suggested that we, um, do like a, a VIP meet and greet to cover some of the costs of said show thinking, cause he was, you know, he's a, he's an older gentleman and he thought that, uh, that we could, we would definitely be able to sell tickets to, to, to that event. Well, I, you know, I thought it was kind of weird because at the end of the day, we're just a bunch of dudes who live and work here. Like Jane, Nick and I worked at a bar to the, if you're, if you walk out of the venue, we work at a bar to the left of the venue. <laughs> Kevin works, our guitar player, Kevin works at a bar to the right of the venue. So you can walk 50 feet in either direction of the, of the bar and meet us whenever you want. Um, but then I had the idea to, uh, we should do a VI pizza party. So we teamed up with a bunch of the local companies. We teamed up with, uh, eat local pizza here in Thunder Bay, teamed up with heartbeat hot sauce here in Thunder Bay. Um, they're, well, they're all in Thunder Bay. So I'll stop saying that, uh, prime gelato and, um, sleeping giant brewing company who, and both prime and sleeping giant made a product for us for that week. So they made a sleeping giant, made a beer, prime gelato, made a gelato that they sold down the corner, on the corner uh, of the, of our downtown core. And then they, so at the pizza party, like they brought their mobile unit and the, the, the pizza shop brought their stuff, like their pizza warmer. And, you know, everybody got, uh, sample bottles of heartbeat and there's, so there's gelato pizza and we played a couple, I played like four acoustic songs for everybody and it's that sold out as well. And that was, and so it was, it was really, that was the first time we really did the full, like the full show, you know, with the, with the pre-show thing, the production, we played for like an hour and 15 minutes that night. So it was a, it was a big long set. And had the, had the backdrop and it was packed and then we had our own beer cans were being like our own beer was being sold at the show. Like it was a, the whole night was, was so crazy. And it was the whole day was such a blur because we had to get there at 11 in the morning to get everything going. And I remember they had, uh, they had like some kind of, um, some kind of DJ night at the club the night before that not that many people went to, but somehow the stage was sticky. <laughs> so Eric, God bless his soul. The, uh, one of the texts from Winnipeg went and found like cleaner in a mop bucket and mopped the whole stage before we brought any of the equipment up. Oh God is wild. So but, now that you've gone to that production level, you, the rest of your show has got to be like that now, eh? Well, they can't. <laughs> well, that, yeah, that was a bit of a stress after we did it. Uh, thinking no kidding. Back, what, we, what have we done? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, we gotta... we've, well, and that, well, the thing is, is so that the, uh, luckily for us, the next show we were playing after that was uh, down at the waterfront for Canada Day. So with, with the big stage, line stage, and their lights, and they put up our banner, albeit they... It was kind of like this, 
a, a little bit if you see any of the pictures from it. But there was eight thousand people in the in the bowl area of the festival grounds. Um, that's what that's what they told me. I don't know if that's exactly true. Could be could be less, you know. But there was a lot of people there when you when you see some of the footage from that. Yeah, it was a, uh, it was a nice uh, show to follow up. Uh, exactly, and then like yeah. they delayed the fireworks so they could give us an encore, which never happens. Really. So, so that was really, and then we played the longest song we know <laughs> we, from Winnipeg. We played, we played rocking in the free, free world from no by, way. Neil, by Neil Young. We played yeah. it with like Kevin, like just went nuts on the guitar solo. <laughs> so it was like an extra, it was like an extra seven minutes we added on. Yeah. And he's, and, he's originally, Kevin's originally like a metal guitarist, right? Well, we're all originally metal oh, that's right. players. Yeah. I could just see him pulling out some sort of like death metal solo going on for like three hours. But he, Kevin's the <laughs> sounds cool, like him. He's yeah. the cool. <laughs> Kevin is one of the coolest guitar players because whenever you know, whenever he is, um, whenever he's writing a part to fit into the song, he always wants to do the most creative thing that he can that sounds the most unique. It's not like it's never always the obvious choice. Um, and, yeah, and that, some sign- he wants to do some signature. Yeah, and sometimes it drives me up up the wall when we're when I'm trying to produce a demo. But at the end of the day, it always it always is, gives the best product. And I remember, um, so Chris Coster, the guitar player from the Glorious Sons, came up was at our last Kingston show that we played it, fall of 2019. That's so crazy that it was that long ago. Um, and he came up to me and he's like, dude, like your guitar player is really, really good. And like, he doesn't compliment anything. He's like, he's one of the, you know, those cool Mr. Cool guys. And I love him for it. But for him to, for him to, to, to go out of his way to, to compliment what Kevin was doing means a ton. Mm-hmm. It was like, that was like, that's like a, a, a stamp of approval. Not not necessarily needed, but it was like, that's really, really freaking cool. Weren't you, I think you mentioned one time in an interview that you're talking about Kevin where he had won, don't you have like a, a, a best of in Thunder Bay where he had won like best guitarist or something for like five years in a row? Yeah, on the walleye, um, they have a, a competition every year. Yeah. Um, it's like a, a local fan arts magazine. Voting. The whole city does it and it's all in local businesses and uh, from your local businesses to your bands to like art, everything. And um, yeah, it's like a, it's like an online survey thing. Really? How many is years it, in a row is it? Kevin? Well, he didn't win this year. Ah, son of a bitch. Jay's the only <laughs> band member who won best drummer. Did you actually? Congratulations. Yeah. I got number two in, in, in singer last year, not this <laughs> year. I mean, the, th- the other thing is like, we don't really care about yeah. it. Like it's cool. Um, but we don't campaign like yeah. we don't we don't go around like saying hey vote bugging our friends and fans to vote for us on the walleye, you know. Um, but it's it's you know it's well deserved. Mm-hmm. There was you know it's it, it especially the people the if you know the people who do get it and, and and get those things like all the power to them like that's 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 great. I mean we but just you know we didn't we set out to play for as many people. You know, not to really get accolades, <laughs> yeah. Even though they are nice, I won't. I won't nice lie. You're not going to turn it down, but no, no. And I mean, <laughs> it, 
was it, it was funny because the year that like the year uh, grief rights came out, they, they put us on the November issue on the cover of it. And then that the following month when they opened up the awards show thing, we swept like the music category. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Which was like, ah, you know, they put us on the cover. <laughs> it was a familiar name to vote on. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Oh, uh, talking a little bit about your songwriting process. Um, I know Ryan, like you write, you're the primary songwriter, right? Yes. Currently, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, as far as, as far as like chords and lyrics go. Yeah. But and, uh, and melodies, I guess. I heard Jay, you had just written a song completely start to finish. I heard that. Didn't, didn't Ryan mention that in, in an interview? I could have sworn that you had wrote. You, you, you what interview <laughs> was that on? Um, oh God, it was a podcast that you were doing. Was that the, the GMH podcast I just did? Maybe. That kid is crazy. He's great. Yeah. He, he, he's a, thir- he's a 13 year old kid running a music podcast. He's in, he's in elementary school still like, and he, and he's interviewing people and that's he, a hustle. That's yeah, he, the hustle he, right he, there. He, he, he's doing, he's good. I told him, I, you know, we had a, a conversation after the interview was over and I, I, I thought he was Jason. Our manager told me that he was in high school, but, mm. uh, no, he's, uh, he, yeah, he's in grade eight. And he's just That's like, insane. I've had, no, I had nothing to do. So I'm start. I started a podcast. Good, yeah. Good for him. And good he, and him. he, and he had it all figured out where he could record it through zoom and, and post yeah. it and it, and it sounds good. So, but yeah, no, I, I mentioned it because, so we have a, a new, a newer song, a new song coming out, um, sometime this year. Uh, and the whole thing, I had this riff, um, that I never thought we would use. It was like too too rock and roll, you know, but then Jay shows up to jam two days later and he goes, I wrote a bunch of beats. I have an idea and I'm going to play everything I have. And then you guys are going to write a song around it. And that's what we did. And it inspired the song. And it's honestly one of my favorite tunes that we've, that we've written in this, in like in for this record. Um, because it it was just so cool. It was just such an unorthodox way for us to doing doing it. Because typically it was, you know, I came up, I came up with a a, a progression or, or a riff and, and a melody or a that that anchor vocal line, and then built a song around that. Brought it, you know, it filtered through through Nick, uh, and I'm like pointing at him because he's over there playing uh doom eternal right now um <laughs> but uh you know it'd filter through nick and then we'd bring it to because we live together and then we'd bring it to band practice and then it would be coming on as heart collective song but that tune was super cool just because of like it literally started with jay which has never happened before and it should have happened a heck of a lot earlier um but yeah it's one of my favorite tunes and i think it's it 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 you can really it really shows like the way to do it so very very happy and very proud of jay it was just a different way for us to it was a a a bit of a yeah like an outside the box for us to try it that method um i don't play guitar or anything like that so um anything that inspires me to write a song usually comes from an influence of a song that i've heard 
and then me writing an imaginary structure around rhythm and drum beats. And, um, you know, it's when you have something stuck in your head, but you, you're trying to tell your guitar players what to play, but you don't know what chord it's supposed to be or whatever. Um, you know, it, it, it can be very difficult. So, um, that was one of the times though I did come to practice and I was like, Hey, I have these beats. Um, this is the structure. And I'm thinking like a nice cruise rock tune. Like it, it just, it, you, you know, hits the ground running and we just go all the way to the end and we do it, you know, we do, we do the thing. So, uh, I showed them and, you know, Ryan had a riff in his back pocket that fit like a glove. And, um, it just, it was one of those times where the song just came together like clockwork. Um, which we, you know, in theory, it didn't, I didn't think it was, it was going to work for, like when I was going to bring it, I was like, you know, it's a, it was a shot in the dark, but, uh, yeah, I was really happy that, you know, we were able to make a tune out of it. And, and the best part is, is like, then you take that, we took that tune and it, we, it's only happened like a handful of times where you take a song and you bring it to your producer uh, and we were bringing it to Derek Hoffman, our producer. And he, and it, it's like, God. I don't know. I don't know what to do with it. Like it's it's perfect. It's done. Yeah, you thought it's, it was already it's, done. It's, so. it's, it's yeah. done. So as far as like structure go went and like the parts, it was just all about okay. Now we just like we got to capture it the best that we possibly can. That was the goal. And so that was like a that's a really rewarding moment. You know when you have that and you create uh, when you create something in the room and it's the four of you and obviously it took a couple of days and then we demoed it. Um, you know, Nick and I hashed out some of the lyrics and get, getting the, the parts right. And, but it just all worked. The whole thing worked. And it's, yeah, it's one of my favorite tunes that, that we have in the bank now. So that's awesome. And that, that's when you're set to release this year, you think? Yeah. Probably. Well, uh, hopefully. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah. I, I mean, I, like, I'd we, like to. Um, we have, we have, we still like, the problem is, is that like, because we can't go on tour when we release this next, the, like when we release this next set of, um, this next record, like it, it, we need to have all of the assets in place, you know? And right now we're kind of stalled out because we have to get to our, our video, our video people, um, our buddy Travis, uh, who is Keenan's business partner. Um, but we have to get down to Southern Ontario to, to shoot some music videos. And right now the pandemic is not making that happen. Yeah. yeah. This lockdown is not making it easy to do that. So we need to have all our, like all the assets we possibly can lined up and ready and ready to go because we don't have a tour to, to go out on and, and to, to promote the shows. So we need to be, we need to do, do a lot more work here at home. Um, but without, playing shows uh to to prepare for to release this next collection of songs yeah do you guys ever write um some tunes where you just think are not on brand for you guys that you you have a, a stack of them that you will never release because they're just not you we do have some songs that we've written that haven't been released yet but um i think you know the general consensus that we do want to release them eventually we just don't know how to yet um and those just came, I think that always usually comes down to like budget, like how many, like, you know, some songs just, I don't think they didn't make it because they weren't good enough more just because one song got more attention one day or a, a producer was like, this should be the one that goes on there for, for this batch of songs. And 
Um, you can only afford so many songs to record. So yeah, like, that's kind know. of the big, you know, nothing really feels like a B-side to me when I listen to some, like songs that we haven't released yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll just always, we'll figure it out. Like, you know, we'll make sure that the, that everything in the in the collection comes out one day. But yeah, as far as um, on brand and stuff, um, I guess sometimes we feel like we step out of our comfort zone sometimes. Like, We'll have times where like this doesn't sound like the sound like us or whatever. But um, our producer Derek uh, once said like no matter what kind of song you guys try to write though it always ends up sounding like you. So don't worry um, about you know not being true to yourselves because that's you know not every band has that where you know you could try to write a different type of tune and it, it could still sound like you at the end of it. So totally. um, we always find a way to make it sound like us. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and we've been and, and that's that's the one thing because at the end of the day no matter what we do unless it's like super drastic um, yeah like we started we wrote a jazz song or something or, or like you know we wrote a jazz song or a metal song you know like anything kind of in between those those two genres like we can kind of like between folk and like hard rock we can mm-hmm. we can pull off and it sound and it sounds like our band and and that's that's kind of the we don't know if it's a blessing or a curse yet. <laughs> yeah, we have Yeah, some people are like it's so good. You guys are so wide range. And other people are like you need to fucking narrow that in, boys. And, yeah. and we don't really know we don't really know who to trust. Well, can, well we, we trust ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I I just you know, I I like I like I like the fact that you know, we can have a song that's you know, is as as heavy as separate ways on a record and then have a tune like Eleanor on the same record, but it still sounds like the same album. That like mm-hmm. that that's very that that's appealing to me. And we always kind of have that, you know, where it's like with Liars Club, the 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 soft tune was Truth Teller and like, you know, it's funny, we were we were Nick J and I were chatting about that last night and about just about that record and um, but you know, like having those, that wide range, I feel has been like, we've been able to take listeners on a journey, um, as opposed to just giving them 10 or eight, eight or 10 songs of the exact same thing. This might be a hard question for you to answer now, but is there one song that you can zero in on to say like this embodies the honest heart collective to a T? Um, I think, uh, I think there is one, but no one's heard. It hasn't been heard yet. It's going to be on the EP. Mm. It's okay. going to be it's the a, opening track. It's actually, it's actually a record now. Hmm? Oh yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. it is a record now. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was, it, it, it was going to be an EP, but we somehow Spotify managed count, to make Spotify, it an album. Spotify, <laughs> Spotify counts it as an album now. It's reached <laughs> the, it's reached the minimum requirements, so it'll be in the, it'll be in that section next to next to Liars Club and Grief Rights and Live at the Shoe. Um, yeah. I th- yeah, I, will, yeah, I think there I'll, is. I think it's yeah. I think it's that tune though, and Ryan knows the song. I, I'll, um, I, I would I would agree with you on that. Uh, I do I do agree with you. I'm not saying I would. I just agree think with you, because it takes us through like there's a lot of what we are up to date. Like um, there is like a radical part that happens. There's also a really rocking part, but then there's also like you know an soft, acoustic piano. The kind softest. Of, I mean, an acoustic, sorry, acoustic vibe. Acoustic, um, like the softest of soft. Like I, I remember Derek 
every time I had to sing it like 50 times because nah, maybe like, like 25 times, half that. But because he's like, you're just, you're over singing it. Tell, sing it like you don't care. Mm-hmm. And it, it just took me so long because I cared every minute. Nick, what do you think? If you had to pick one tune to sum up our band, what would it be? Yeah, Nick says he can't do it. <laughs> um, yeah. I just no, think, I, though, that's because it takes you through the biggest, I think, journey we've done in a song. Um, mm-hmm. Huh? It's all Nick, the emotions rolled into one. Nick just says pick, Nick just says pick any song. That's pick, right. song. pick any song it works but if i had to pick one that like everyone's heard i would probably put my favorite's lonely bones so i would i would say lonely bones that's a, that's a that's a big old favorite you know, it's got acoustic i i really dig uh, as far as something that like i think really captured us especially especially in the time period i would say i would say that's our single fine um mm-hmm which will be, it was supposed to be on this next record. It is going to be on the next record, but because of all, it's been delayed so, so much that now it's like so far removed, but we didn't care. We needed to put it on it anyway. So, um, but yeah, that, that tune's a big one, uh, was, you know, that's, that's a song you can put in the car and and drive, drive, drive real fast. Yeah. But it, but it, but it also has those, like those, you know, it pumps the brakes too at the same time. So, but Lonely Bones is a great answer as well because of the liberties we kind of took with it and like having that repeating, like that double guitar solo that re-enters itself was very a, a, a very interesting move uh, on that, that we made. I don't think we really were, we weren't really aware of how interesting it might have been at the time, but look, looking back, it was like, that was, that's pretty cool. <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel like I think finds the first one I heard and then line work and then uh, Lonely Bones and When Her and I Began was actually my my next top one. Nice. I think when I landed on that one, it was it's just heavy and it's fun to crank and listen to. Yeah, it's a, that's a good one. It, but when you yeah. tear it down, if when you tear it down, it's one of the saddest songs we've ever written. Totally, totally. Yeah, if you're just doing that off an acoustic guitar. That I hit yeah. Yeah. So I, I did a live stream, uh, this, uh, fall, like in November, uh, not a live stream, but a rec- pre-recorded live stream, um, socially distanced gig for like a couple people at this hotel in Red Rock, Ontario, which is uh, about an hour and a uh, hour and a bit, uh, east of here. And I I made a grown man cry singing that song with just my acoustic guitar. And there's a there's a piano ballad version up on spot on our Spotify yeah. of that song as well that is amazing. Thank amazing. you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I was going to say sad as heck, but <laughs> it is, but that's why it's amazing. Thank you. How did you write that song originally? Was it on piano or was it full band? It was on my it was on my acoustic guitar. Okay. Um I started kind of I'm not, I, I don't really remember how it came up. Honestly, man, I don't remember how we wrote that song because it was one of the first, it was one of the first three of, of <laughs> the grief because grief rights was written over the course of how many years? Three, three years. So yeah. they were the first, um, I've got you when her and I began in strike sound were yeah, the first three the first that were three. ever written. And, um, I, I remember how I've got you was written because Ryan had that riff. And I had like this, and I thought of that fill. 
yeah. and that just kind of worked. Strike sound. I remember like Keenan, Keenan, Keenan had like a progression. Yeah, and yeah, we kind of just made it our own. But when her and I began, I don't remember how we even uh, how we did that one. Yeah, I, honestly, like that's actually crazy to think about. That I don't, <laughs> I don't really remember. I I remember, I learned. Uh, I learned how to play, um, fuck, what was it? I don't remember if Kevin wrote the riff for, like, I don't know. Yeah, like, man, you just blew my mind by asking that question. (laughs) Did we write that song? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I learned how to play Thrash Unreal, uh, by, um, Mm. Against Me. Yeah. And then... Uh, because it was in a, and then realized it was like in a really cool key. Um, and then I just started screwing around with the chords in that key. And then somehow the words, I keep a picture in my wallet of a love I used to know came out and I was standing right over there strumming my guitar and that was like, and that, and that was really, really it as far as I can really remember. The other cool thing I remember was that um, when we first tracked that, it was at a studio in Toronto called Union Sound with a, a producer based out of LA, Canadian producer based out of LA named Jay Rustin. That was a really, that was a really cool experience for us. It was the first time we recorded with somebody who wasn't us. Um, and I remember recording the lyrics for that and, and on the last day. And then we all went out with the, we all went out to Sneaky D's in Toronto for nachos after. And the assistant engineer, who is now a, a good friend of ours named Darren McGill, was like, hey man, like I gotta, I gotta, I gotta talk to you. And he, he goes, when you sang the opening line of that last tune, I, it broke my heart because I have a picture of my ex-girlfriend in my wallet and I can't get, I can't let it go. And it was mind blowing because I never had a picture of my ex-girlfriend in my wallet. I don't know where it came from. It just, it was a, it was just that, that anchor line of a song that, that like that crutch line that start that kind of sparked it. And then, you know, I was able to tell the story that way. And I was in a relationship that was kind of falling apart at the time and it fell apart pretty much right after that, those recording sessions. So it, um, I get, I guess it was sort of like, a subconsciously like, a uh, yeah, it just sort of happened. And, um, yeah, that like, that was, it was just a weird journey on the, on that tune. Like when I think about it, but I think my favorite version of it is the is the live version of it when we uh, mm-hmm. when it when it opens the live record um that was you know Jay put that Jay basically produced that whole uh that whole show um when he you know he came to the we had one rehearsal we we played a festival in London we flew home we played two gigs in Thunder Bay back to back and then the, the foundry the place we were playing in Thunder Bay let us keep all our gear there and rehearse there on the Sunday. Um, 
So we didn't have to load all our gear back up to our studio to rehearse for this tour we were leaving on the next day. Uh, so Jay came to Jay came to the the foundry on that Sunday afternoon and was like, "I got the whole set. Don't worry about it." I think we made one we made one change, and then, but yeah, I just love it. I love uh, our buddy Conrad was there, and his suggestion um, with the the snare drum going over the guitar lick at the beginning of the tune after the big build-up intro just like makes it blow up and then i remember at the horseshoe show our buddy paul was running sound um and he asked me about if there was any like lighting cues and i told him i told him like this is it it's gonna be there's gonna be a bunch of snares and i'm gonna yell and i keep a picture and on picture, you got to turn the lights on. It's full blast. And he nailed it. And I remember seeing all of the, all the Instagram stories we were tagged in. And it was people being like, that, that opening, that opening, that intro. Like, they were just so excited about it. And that was just a really cool moment for me. Um, and that's why I really, I'm really partial. And there's like, I made a lot of different vocal changes as well. And we just got it. We all got tighter at playing that song and making it more lively. And, uh, yeah, I just, I, I really, I, I enjoy, you know, checking out that, uh, that live record from time to time. Cause you know, Jay did such a great job track listing that, that whole set and we played, and it was one of my favorite sets we've ever gotten to play. Is that the first time you put it as a opener? Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah it was, it well. was never a single for grief rights. Um, and I think that just might've been within like, how old the song was for us, like out of all the like Lonely Bones and all the newer tunes. Um, so yeah, we never like, I, I don't even think, I, it, I don't even think it's been in like all of our lives, like sets. Like it, I think it was like odd for us to put it in. If I remember it feeling odd for us putting it in the set and for it going to the front of the set, opening the show. Well, for a while, like we weren't even really comfortable playing it at all. Well, because, yeah, because well, I played to a click live and I always have a heart because there's um, a tempo drop in the in the course. So, um, but the way my pedal is set up, I don't want to keep like playlisting back and forth between the tempos. And I always, and um, I was still fairly new to the click and playing to the tempo was, was a little awkward. It was fast, but not too fat it was one of those like i'd either overshoot it or i'd fall short playing mm -hmm. it so um i never felt comfortable playing it so i guess might have been this like we don't play this song tight enough it can't go in the set and then we found yeah. time to make it tight kind of yeah thing. And, and then the other thing too is like i remember because we did before we all like and like when you play to a click i mean we kind of all do at that point you know and it, and it, it it's kind of changed the the evolution of the set because now the other the other issue of reason why we didn't play it is because it's pretty high. Like it, it's a it's a high song to sing. There's a lot of big soaring notes, and especially when we weren't playing to a click, and you're playing that tune, and, and if you don't know where that note is gonna fall or where that note changes, it gets very taxing on you on your voice. And especially because it wasn't like a single. We used to open with North American Dream all the time, um, and then. Uh, yeah, so we ended up playing that song later in the set, but then we'd always, before we were playing 
to a click, we'd always end up rushing through the beginning because there's so much energy to it that you're like, you can't calm it down. And Kevin speeds through the guitar lick. And then all of a sudden that's what you're playing it at. And so it was never really a strong suit for us, but then we really made a point that day, um, that one rehearsal day we had before, before we went on that tour to like crush to crush that tune. And we, and we did it in a way that we w- were able to do it and putting it at the front half of the, uh, like the very first song of the set kind of got it out of the way. It eliminated, you know, the tough the, song to play. Yeah. The vocal, the vocals were fresh, fresh every time we were in it. And it was really a good tune to like open it up with. It is a little, it is a little darker than most of the tunes we, we have. So it, it definitely sets a different tone. Mm-hmm. Uh, of the live show, but I I still think it I still think it worked out really well with the rest, especially with the rest of the transitions in in the show as well. Well, we had to write that intro too to like make sure everybody was on the same page for the tempo. Yeah, um, that's why like it was it had that like long floor tom, you know, part and got everyone synced in and ready for it because the song kind of it throws us into it. Yeah, because like you know, like it just stops, and I did the snare. The snare hits like were ended up doing it justice, but I did it so you know to be a timekeeper for Kevin. You know, yeah. not to leave him out hanging to dry because yeah. I'm listening to a click and he can't hear it. But uh, yeah, so like it was, it, 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 it's a challenging song for us to start, and it, to it's sometimes also, it's also just so fucking cool. Like it was a timekeeper for all of us, really, because I have to come in on that with a, you know, with that, I keep a, and like, then it's right into it, you know, and, and it drops into it right on the one. Um, but yeah, so that was, that's yeah, that, that, that intro and that, that, thank that God we didn't opener. mess it up. We were either going to nail it or we weren't. That's and, the, and that and was, that was the, the album you were recording for a live album too. Well, I, we always, we've always recorded. Every oh, do time you? We played it though. Every time we played at the horseshoe tavern, I've always, brought my laptop and recorded and it. I didn't know we were because if I knew that, I probably would have psyched myself out. I never tell anybody. But so what the whole what happened with that record was I, I I brought my laptop and brought everything, got it all plugged in. Um and I made sure of it because of the the time before that when we played the horseshoe, we absolutely crushed it. But I forgot the um I forgot like the adapter cable. I needed to plug it into the horseshoes console. So this time I made a, I didn't forget it. It was in a different, it was in my suitcase, not in my backpack. Um, and so me and uh, our buddy, Paul, who's the, one of the house techs at the horseshoe who mixes us there. And we were both disappointed because we both wanted to do it. Um, but then, so yeah, at this show we were like, yes, we're doing it. I, I have everything. I made sure it was everything where it was need to be. Um, that laptop died after that tour. Uh, so we got, we got very lucky, but in the van the next day, I was listening back to all the tracks and kind of doing a rough mix on my headphones and it it sounded pretty good. And I was like, this sounds, this sounds awesome. Like we actually played, we actually played great. And then I, I did like a whole mix on the whole show. And then I plugged, plugged it into the van stereo system and we listened back to it and everyone was like, wow this is, we, we, we did okay. And then, so we're like, we need to, we need to get this done. So our buddy, we talked to our buddy, Darren McGill from union sounds and 
he mixed it all. And then our producer, Derek Hoffman mastered it. And voila, we had a, we were, you know, we had a live record live from the horseshoe tavern and I couldn't be more proud of that one. Yeah, no, it sounds amazing. And like, I, like we said earlier, like your live show is next level. I think it captures, I mean, there's nothing that's going to beat actually seeing you guys live, but I think it captures a lot of that energy right on that album for people that haven't gotten out to see you guys. Yeah. It might be the closest thing you can get without seeing it live. Yeah. yeah. We, we lucked out, you know, cause sometimes it's tough when you, you know, you can fool a live audience, but you can't fool a, a one inch microphone capsule. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I wanted to pick your brain a little bit about the marketing that you guys do. I thought it was neat because I kind of found you guys through an Instagram sponsored story is what it was. I get, I get all these. Uh, I want to say now I'm just trying to jog my memory. I want to say someone, maybe it was you, Ryan, like we're, we're jumping in a pool or hanging was, out in a backyard or something. That, Kevin. Uh, so that, that was the series that we just, like, we had line where it came out and, and, Jason, our manager, is kind of a driving force behind it, being you know trying to push us to do the. So he's pushing us to do things, <laughs> to do things, to do things, uh, you know. And Kevin did the pool one. It was like a summertime one. We were all mm. supposed to do them, but it just we just went around with the two. Kevin did the pool one with I think he was with his. Uh, I don't know which kids whose kids that those were, but there's somebody in his family. And then um, I did one where I was playing cornhole, mm. and uh, but yeah, those were our like summer our summer ads for when. We're uh, uh, talking about that, or like when out. you sang in the pool. Oh yeah, was it in? Like, no, no, no. It was, it was someone like, jumping into the pool, like a yeah. Swimming. So it must, oh, that would have yeah, been Kevin. It must must have yeah, been Kevin. Yeah, yeah. that was Kevin's. Because yeah, yeah, Ryan did a song in in a empty, his dad's empty pool when they were. Um, we went down to Ottawa to relining fix it, to f- it or they were, yeah, they had yeah. to fix it. That was a cool, that was a cool video. They surprised us. Nick and Ryan surprised us with that one. Yeah. I wish I sang it better, but it is what it is. Yeah. It sounded sharp. Thanks. I don't think anyone's, uh, <laughs> I wasn't judging. So I think you're okay. <laughs> I just now came, mentioned it. It just came across. It just, <laughs> came, it just ended up like coming across real nasally. And I, I just like, uh, it's not what I really sound like. Even the lot, like, I don't know. I gotta, I gotta work on that. I gotta sing more. <laughs> um, other than like your, that Instagram story, I like, are you guys advertising on other social media platforms? I know you're on like, uh, like TikTok. Jason was saying that you guys are on too. I'm too old for TikTok, So I didn't even know that existed. Yeah. So are we, I think we all are. <laughs> we have a TikTok. Uh, I'm the only one who goes on it. We really, we got the TikTok because of the, we did the Taylor Swift cover. Oh uh, yeah, th- this summer and and that was where you know it really popped off. It it got like sixty thousand spins on TikTok, which was really cool, and a bunch of comments. And uh, that's actually coming out on Friday. Uh, next next say is today Friday today Saturday today Saturday. Saturday. So it's coming out on f- this coming Friday. Nice. Um, with the the studio lo- like the Lionheart Sessions audio from of Linework, so those two songs are coming out in this new kind of cascading waterfall album that we're putting out of all of our live uh, live in studio sessions that we're gonna do from from here on in. Um, but yeah, that was sort of the reason why we got TikTok. I mean, we we were Facebook heavy for a while. Um, and then that kind of fell off. We always still do ads on Facebook. Like our Helter Skelter cover hit hit real hard on um, on Facebook when we we were posting about that and doing the advertisements on there. And we targeted um, we targeted a, 
did targeted ads placed in the UK because it's a mm. Beatles cover. And a lot of people from the UK watched it. Some people in the UK loved, loved it. Some people, not so much. One guy called us a bunch of FUDs. <laughs> and if you Google what a FUD is. Not good. It's not good. It, you know, it's, it's fine. <laughs> but then he said he listened to it the next day and really enjoyed it. So uh, who knows? <laughs> well, it's true fans, right? Like, you know. There's some there's some songs I would never want to hear recreated or recovered, especially in such a in a different light. Like we really cranked the cranked heavy. It. We cranked knob it up to eleven. Song. Yeah, yeah, that that song's amazing. But even thinking about your your cash covers, like hurts not a cash song, and that's ballsy to cover because cash covered it and nailed it. Yeah. Oh, definitely. That was uh, that was a big one. It's funny. Me and Jay were just talking about uh, talking about Song Exploder. Have you checked that out? On the the well, there is a podcast, but then they have uh, the, uh, the the Netflix series where they've done mm-hmm. two seasons, but it's like four episodes a season. And Nine Inch Nails Hurt was one of the tunes, and like the story and and when they dig inside that song is so crazy, and it's just it just makes me feel. Makes you like the song even more. Oh yeah, totally. So, and and the fact that you know he always wanted to be, you know, Trent Reznor always wanted to be like David Bowie, and then he puts a song out like Hurt, and then he's on stage singing his song with David Bowie is absolutely crazy to me. Yeah, that's unreal. When when you do these like paid ads like through social media and stuff, are you seeing that big lift in in listens like in streams and stuff through your network and follows on your channels? Sometimes, uh, it's, it's hit or miss some, you know, like it depends on what it is. It depends on where you're, where you're targeting. Uh, you know, Jay, Jason, our manager, Jason is kind of the mastermind behind that. He kind of runs that whole show. Um, and he got his wisdom teeth taken out today. Uh, so. <laughs> oh man, I'm so up to lunch on J- what Jason's currently up to. I'm, I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't honestly didn't know that. I tried calling him today and he was like, sorry, I'm getting my wisdom teeth taken out. I was like, oh, thanks, man. Like I, I got an email from him today, actually. That, yeah, probably. He sent us a message before we did it. Yeah. This <laughs> podcast. Yeah, now he's probably sitting there all gauzed up. Just <laughs> so much pain just to send us like a reassuring text and we don't even know what's happening. Yeah, that's that, that, that's why that's why he's the best. Love that guy. He is the best. Hey, one se- one second, Nick. Don't you dare watch Wandavision without me. I am on episode three. Uh, I need in, to watch now, it. Still, I haven't started it yet. Yeah, man, it's so it's so cool. But it I'm is. excited too. It, it's just a cool thing. It's yeah. so cool. It's just cool. I was I, uh, I started watching it with my wife, and uh, right off the hop, she's like, "Is the whole show going to be like this?" I'm like, "I it's it's going to build." It's going to build. And uh, so she she checked out. I start I continued with it. And holy crap, just the f- the first episode, the second episode, I was hooked right. Hey, off man, the hey, hey, dude, just wait till you uh, just wait, wait, just watch episode three when we're done here. Yeah. And four is out. So that's right. Yeah. Did I watch three yet? It, 
No, I think the last one I saw is is two when when they started getting color in the show or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Don't spoil, okay. don't spoil no. it for people. I'm 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 done. It's okay. My life's full <laughs> full of spoilers. It's fine. And I, I won't give anything away. If you look at the episode list, it says in color, so you could tell what's. Well, going I mean, yeah, the preview <laughs> also shows like kind of how the show. Well, you well, get the well, yeah. If you watch, I won't the trailer, give anything. If away. you watch the trailer, you, you know it's nothing we've said is in the trailer. I'm actually I, I have like the best spoiler story of all time uh, where I spoiled something for for Nick and Kevin. Um, the, we when we were kids, because like we've been we've been like best friends forever now. So we're, we're hanging out in the, the back room of our mom's old house. Uh, or they're hanging out watching a movie on the computer and they're like heavily invested in it, watching it on like a, a like a 20 inch computer screen. And I'm like, what are you guys watching? And they're like, well, we're watching uh, a book of Eli. And I look at them and I go, oh, that's the one where uh, Denzel's blind. <laughs> and Kevin looks over at Nick and Nick looks over at <laughs> Kevin and Kevin just screams. <laughs> I didn't yeah, everyone know. in the band is a, yeah, I we're like know. all movie spoilers. I didn't <laughs> know that that was like the buff. Like that was that was the twist at the end of the movie that that uh, that wasn't known because all I heard was Book of Eli's a movie where Denzel's blind. So I just went, yeah, oh yeah, that's the one where he's blind, and Kevin's just like, no, because I just because that's like the huge twist at the end of the movie. So you never even saw it. I never saw it. I just so heard, it was like, already spoiled. You knew. For, yeah, I, I didn't. I just thought that was part of the premise of the movie. Yeah, yeah. That, was the, that you know that was where I was under at that at that part but yeah no it's uh spoiling movies it's what i do <laughs> we all do it yeah we've all done it because we love talking about it and usually half the band has seen what we're referencing and then or like one member hasn't seen it yeah and you know it just always finds its way out i i remember yeah. i remember there there was a there was a conversation in the van that was a little that was that was like pretty disappointing for some for one person i forget who it was but somebody was talking about something and they were like what so yeah <laughs> so just wear wear the headphones and just don't listen to everyone talking if you don't want anything spoiled you try yeah <laughs> yeah it's all it's all you can really do i mean yeah. i've actually done we i've done that i've done the like because i'm always the i feel like i'm always usually the last one to the party so like I'm always like, can you wait till I put on headphones? You guys can talk about all you want. And I just blast <laughs> like an architect's record or something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh Good question. Uh, back to marketing. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Sorry for that that <laughs> that, that detour. The nice tangent. Um sponsorships. I think that's uh that's one place I wanted to ask you guys about because we kind of already talked about it like you have uh the hot sauce you got your own gelato flavor you got your own beer like that I I don't know if bands do this normally because that's the first time I've ever heard of that well I mean kiss is kiss has like well yeah kiss that's e right. kiss everything you know yeah and, and so they're, they're sort of the uh not like the, the thing to aspire to but like it, there's definitely some inspiration to it because we've always pictured it as we want to be an, one of Thunder Bay, another one of Thunder Bay's exports. You know, Heartbeat Hot Sauce is everywhere now. You know, they have the, the Dustin Poirier connect, connection in the UFC now and the Hot Ones connection, which is huge mm -hmm. for them. And so I, 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 
I did some work for them uh, a while ago and, and Jay came and helped me uh, stem peppers with them one time and we crushed through that together. And, um, but we did, uh, they wanted to do like, a you know, Al, the, the, one of the owners at heartbeat is he's, he's a, a music buff. He, he loves music and he, he, he wants this business to help, you know, to, to grow to a point where he can help musicians out. And, you know, for him, he's like, yeah, I'll do, you know, we'll put together a, a honest heart collective label and, and it's like a, a profit split and it's like the best thing ever. You know, when we take it, we sell, so we sell bottles every night on tour. And mm-hmm. it's a great product. It's a, it's a, it's a fantastic product oh, yeah. and it's a, and it's a f- cool looking label. You know, they designed it after the grief rights cover and he basically sent the, he gave, I gave him the, all the photos from the grief rights cover shoot. And he sent that to, to their designer at the time. And, uh, they absolutely knocked it out of the park. And and it looks it looks amazing and um and they always the best part is they always send us out with sample bottles like little minis um and we'll have a couple open so people can kind of try it at, like try it out at the show and then they they always buy it they, it's mm-hmm. always it's the best add on to like you know you buy a t shirt or a record and a hot sauce like it it's the coolest thing to have you know I just I shipped one out the other day and uh, so that was a big thing and then. Usually, like the the sleeping giant, uh, sleeping giant beer company, we've done t- two batches of our North American Dream Hazy IPA, and uh, that was just kind of I I reached out about that one of the owners at the time was sitting at at the at the bar that we worked at, and I just was like, hey hey Matt, what do you what do you think about this? And he goes, yeah, send send me an email, and we'll get it all set up. And you know because it was part like it was part of this event, like when we were having the album release shows. And the beer sold out like that. And then we did it the second round on that, on, for that big, that big show with all the big production. And again, it was gone. You know, they did, we did half of it in kegs, half of it in cans. So, so any bar could have it um, no matter what type of, you know, container they wanted it in. And mm-hmm. yeah, it just worked out. And they, they were a great partner. And the G- Gelato, um, a friend of ours, her name's Megan. She's, uh, one of the head, uh, I don't know what somebody who makes gelato is called. This is really bad. Uh, but she, she came into the soft, into the bar we worked at and she was talking to me about it and she was like, Hey, like we should do a flavor. And I went, yeah. And then she asked, she's like, you just pick what it is. And we had no idea what we were like, what, what, what do you make? What do you, what do you make a rock band's gelato flavor of? You know, <laughs> like, what do you do? And, uh, you know, somebody was like, you know, sweat and whiskey, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, what do you, what do you do? And, um, every time we go on tour, uh, our mom makes us, uh, a big bag of peanut butter and jam sandwiches. So we made a, a peanut butter and raspberry jam cheesecake flavored gelato, <laughs> uh, with them that had like actual peanut butter cookie, cookie crumbs, uh, and cr- like, um, bits in it with a, a raspberry, a homemade or a housemade raspberry, j- raspberry jam swirl in it. And it's, it's delicious. It's so good. And when you got it from the shop, they put extra peanut butter cookies on top of it. <laughs> Do they, it, they still sell that right now. Like you can go there and get it. 
I don't know if I think you can it's go seasonal. to. I think it's, it's a season. Seasonal? I think they they do it because they when you the funny thing is about all these things is that when you do it you have to buy labels and like the thousands. Mm-hmm. Um. So as far as heartbeat goes, we have like we still probably still have like seven seven hundred labels, um, waiting for us to use up. So they're just like they'll they'll throw that thing on the machine whenever we need whenever we need an order, even if it's a like we we need to just get a case. Or something like that, um, just to restock the store. Or if some, you know, we've had a couple people be like, "Hey, how much? How much is it for a case of your hot sauce?" And, and so we we make it happen. Um, but yeah, so the so they still have a bunch of the labels. So if I were to if we were to make a phone call saying, "Hey, we have some people asking about this," they'd probably they would probably make some more. Um, I would I would hope they'd make some more because it's it is tasty. I gotta take I re- a drive down to Thunder Bay when it's when it's on season. When it's some of that well, you could just buy it at your local grocery store. Oh really? They sell it. They won't have our label on it, they, but it's they won't have ours, but you can get that like their gelato. I think they sell it in Metro. Do you have Metro out there or are you a Safeway out there? We're talking Safeway. about gelato or heartbeat. Gelato. Yeah, I know I could pick up the heartbeat on your site, but yeah, the no, I was talking about the gelato. Well, you, you, yeah. you can get the same. So our heartbeat is just our signature label. It's not like the, it's just their house, like their their standard, their very first staple sauce. Yeah. Um, but with like our label on it, and uh, it's just like a really cool merch piece that we have. And then mm-hmm. you know, but when when Thunder Bay hits peak heart collective season, where it's you know you get the beer, the gelato, and the we have uh, the local, we have a few the, local like partnerships that yeah, the beer, gelato, and the hot sauce all all in one go. It's the it's the place <laughs> to be. What's a partnership you guys want from like a Thunder Bay uh, business that you don't have yet? I think we've done them all for the most part. <laughs> Honestly, like those are the biggest, they're the, they're the biggest companies in Thunder Bay. Yeah. As, as far well, as, I, as, yeah, far like, as that, I as far as that goes. Own. Yeah. Go, go I'm ahead. Sorry. I, I, I will admit when I don't have my headphones in, I sound like the volume's really low and I can't get it louder. So sometimes I talk over you guys without realizing <laughs> and I see your mouth's moving and I'm like, oh crap. <laughs> but, uh, sorry. Um, you don't but, want like a, like uh, yeah. A, like I always wanted us to have a beer. Um, the heartbeat thing was always like, since they were the next up and coming thing. And like, we all love hot sauce and I like non-biasedly just cause I'm from Thunder Bay. I think it's the best hot sauce. Oh, hundred. I, I, I haven't have tried all, a hot sauce that is quite like that. So unique. Fridge. And, um, the gelato thing was just the cherry on top, like a dessert, like yeah. a, this yeah. awesome dessert. Yeah. No pun intended. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like I would, I would, I would, you know, I would still make a beer with like, we have a few other local beers, like um, one time brew co um, Dawson trail. Yeah. Dawson trail superior is going to be it's another one. Up. And we have also Lake Lake of the woods brewing company in Kenora, which is not far off from us and not far off from you either. Yeah. Um, we have our buddy, our buddy Josh works there. Hey Josh, if you're, if you're tuning in, you know, so there, there there's going to be, uh, you know, speaking of them, there's going to be some cool things coming up. That's yeah, exciting. So, I love Lake of the Woods and we just built a, there's like a brand new, like massive high rise, which Winnipeg doesn't really do very often. So it's a big deal um, called the True North Center here. And in the True North Center, there's like a food court area where Lake of the Lake of the Woods Brewery is going into. Yeah. Uh, if it's if it's not already. So it, it's a, I mean, so it is there. We were supposed to we were supposed to play there this this fall. Were you actually? Yeah, we were supposed to do it. Oh. We were supposed to do a, a, a like an acoustic stripped down set 
uh, there to celebrate the release of something. <laughs> um, but it, it, you know, it's still. And we already talked about that song, and we already talked about it. Um, yeah, <laughs> er- earlier. We'll let you try to clue into which one it was. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, so it, it's just we just we love to surround ourselves with with like minded people and and like minded businesses that want to be treated as you know Northwestern Ontario exports. Um, you know, we want to you know we want to be Heartbeat is arguably going to be the biggest hot sauce company in the world. Um, I think now, especially with the, the UFC tie in. So there's mm-hmm. no bones about it. We want to be one of the biggest rock bands in the world. Now, whether that's going to happen is up, up to us and the, and the songs we write for the rest of our career. Um, but yeah, we just, that's the, that, that's the type of, of, of business and the type of export we want to be, uh, in, in the world. So that's, uh, that's, ba- that's basically it. So are you doing a lot of those? Like, are you doing a lot of that research on your own to figure out what companies you want to partner up with? Well, um, in Thunder Bay, you're kind of, everyone's kind of aware of like um, all the companies that, because we're such a locally driven city that I like to, that I like to say that we're very um, supportive of each other. So, um, uh, sorry, I got stuck on a thought there. Jesus, Ryan, you should have just answered this one. <laughs> but Thunder, um, Thunder, yeah, you do it. You do all right, it. All right. Thunder Bay is a very, like, we all really I'll support your, each other. I'll jump on your coat. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. I'll, 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 I'll carry you until you, you, you jump carry back Carry me to in. the finish line and I'll, I'll take the victory at the end. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. Uh, you know, Thunder Bay is a very, it is a very uh, locally driven and locally supported, uh, supported, um, city you know everybody knows what sleeping giant brewing company is so you know i didn't think when i approached matt when he was sitting at my bar about doing doing a collaboration that anything would come of it because like they're so far above us like they have beers in the in the uh, you know the lcbo's which is the ontario liquor store um all 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 across the province you know like they're I think they they did like their sold their millionth can or something this year, something crazy like that. Like they're like, you know, I believe it. And it's just, yeah. So like everybody knows who the the bigger the big businesses are. Like usually, thing you know, if you do it right, it works out. And it's the same idea as how how we you know it's not the same. Sorry, but it's a similar idea as to how we were able to make that jump from playing the 200 cap rooms to the 600 cap rooms here in town. Right. Because you put the work in, you do the, the cool, the cool partnerships, you do the cool things. So your voice is being amplified by their voices and their voices are being pushed by your voices. Um, and, 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 and so on and so forth. But that's, you know, you do the research on, on the, on the companies, but you already know them. Like we, you know, we've been yeah, drinking, that's, sleeping, I, yeah, that's we've been drinking, we've been drinking sleeping giant beer forever, you know, since they came out years ago from when they were in their first location, you know, and, um, and same thing with heartbeat. I remember they were making, they were making heartbeat hot sauce in the over overnights at this, re- at a restaurant in town called Tomlin which is one of the best restaurants we have uh, here in the city. And yeah, it's a whole (laughs) chef's kiss. It's a, 
And but they were making it and it all spawned with the fact that they were given two extra cases of habaneros and they ordered. It, they, the heartbeat hot sauce started because it was a fluke. I think. Could be wrong. But they were like, oh, they made the hot sauce and it was so good that they started to bottle it and they started to sell it and they started, you know, and... and then you didn't have to venture very far to know that that was happening. Yeah, and then it took they, off. Every local thing is kind of the talk of the town, I guess is what I was probably trying to say earlier and like we didn't lot, have to venture yeah. we didn't have to do much research i guess mm -hmm. to put the like but we had to be very conscious on how many local partnerships we wanted to do because there are so many great local because like i said we're a very local city so we didn't want to be that band that had like you know our name literally on everything because we didn't want to come off like as this like I don't know how to, uh, how would you put it, Ryan? Like, yeah, we didn't, we just didn't want to come as like, we didn't want to be like Kiss. Yeah. Right. We, and we didn't want to be like greedy and have our hands like, you know, it, on it, our collective toilet seat covers. Like, we, <laughs> we, we just, you know, yeah. we wanted to have like a few things. Like, we wanted to be involved with a beer company. Well, who do you go to? Well, everybody knows that Sleeping Giant's the big local place. Um, hot sauce, that's Heartbeat. Um, you know, you know it, ice cream, gelato, prime gelato. And that was the thing. Like, you know, sometimes, you know, like with the gelato, that, 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 that one came to us and, and it was, and it, and it was the, it was perfect. It was, and, and the way we branded it, like me, Jay and Kevin went and they let us like, we had to put on all the gear and the hair nets and wear the slippers <laughs> that they, and we actually got to go make it. Like we, That's we, awesome. we all made the, the, the first or, First or second batch of it, I think. I think it was the second batch because because Megan they had, had to test it first. They, ha yeah. they had they had already made like the prototype batch, and then they invited us to come make it. And like you know, there's like a video on our Instagram of Jay literally scooping the gelato into the into the container with our label on it. And so we had that that branding and that marketing, where we were able to explain like what the product was. And in that same in that same sort of vein of mark like if you go back to our the marketing that we put in on grief rights on not even on grief rights but just on that show that the the october the june 19th show because we were so invested in it like we knew we had to pull we had to pull out all the stops because we wanted to sell know, it two nights at the foundry yeah no 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 i'm talking about envy Oh, was that an envy show june 9 june 2019 so a year oh, yeah. a year after the the grief rights one but so the the you know put in like with bringing in our our buddies our production company buddies from winnipeg and and ha hiring a recording engineer and hiring all these people and, and local just, connections and the local connections were everything you know like um it was push local sales you know eat local pizzas is even mm -hmm. though we don't have like an honest heart collective pizza they're still one of our business partners like Carl and Mackenzie are two buddies of mine that that like they love the band and um you know they they, they help in any way they can they help in any way they can you know they they their Facebook page has more followers than our local newspaper does and now and so they've grown their business so much and that because they genuinely like what we do and we love what they do they're like, let's work together. So when I was talking about the VI pizza party, they are the first people we thought we thought about because it, the first time we did a big club show, they sponsored our sound check and gave it and got, got us dinner for, they gave us pizza for free for dinner. 
in exchange for a Facebook post about it. And, and then I hit up Carl about the, you know, we've done a couple of things uh, together. Like we did a, an intimate live show um, in our, studio. in our, in our recording studio called live at Lionheart. And they sponsored the whole event. So it was like a, you know, $30 for a ticket, but it was free pizza, free beer, uh, free wine. And like, you know, a lot of things. Kevin really wanted to make pulled pork that night. So, <laughs> so he made it. Uh, it was, that was a great night. We two night, we did two shows of that. Uh, there were like 30 people a night. Um, but so we've done a lot of things together. So when we, I had this pizza party idea, I called Carl and he was like, well, I love it. What do you need? And we talked it out and we, and we figured it out together. And then the day of it all flowed super smooth. You know, I wish the sound check would have been, would have went easier, but, uh, the, ve- the venue had decided to get brand new, uh, brand new, a whole brand new monitor system. They never tested. Uh, <laughs> so that so was the first time he- they're rolling it out. Yeah. So that was a bit of a headache, but we're the guinea pigs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we made it work, you know? Yeah. And, and so we made the whole thing work and. It was just, it, it was the culmination of this, of, of all of these partnerships and all of these friendships that became partnerships um th- to work to work together to make to make it happen and 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 that's that's sort of the the that's a, that's the end goal you know you mm-hmm. want to and that and bringing it back to the collective thing like though the, all those businesses are are just a part of the band you know as as well like they've yeah. they've helped us reach the points that that we're at and and that's that's all you can really hope for. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say like that, those partnerships and stuff, it really resonates with who you guys are as a, as a band and, and your brand as a whole, right? Like you're authentic. You're, you're right there in the city working with the, with, with the people, right? You're true to the Thunder Bay crowd and yeah. these, yeah. these sponsorships just kind of go right into that. Yeah. That's a kind of our brand. Like, like to encapsulate all of it, it's just like rock and roll. It's transparent um, like we're from Thunder Bay and we scream Thunder Bay. Um, we love where we come from. We're proud of it. And yeah, mm-hmm. that's just kind of, um, that's kind of like, I guess if you want to like say what we are in a sentence, that's kind of, I guess a great like way to say that. You know, it, and it builds it up and, 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 and you know, <laughs> like we just, we, we've gotten because, because of the band, we, you know, we've just gotten so many, we've been able to meet so many more of, of the other local entrepreneurs in this city that are like, Hey, I dig what you do. You know, I dig what you do and we dig what they do. And it's just, it's just been so cool. Like the, the partnerships and the friendships, you know, like Andrew stone at Daytona's, you know, it's a, a restaurant here in town. He, he's the, he's the best. He's one of, he's just, ah, I love that guy. Uh, and he makes great food and, um, but he, he always, you know, he, he, they sponsored our, you know, not really sponsored, but we, we did a Christmas holiday live stream and, and he fed uh, us all for and, free. And, and he fed us all for free on the house and he, he wouldn't take any money for it. And he was like, no, you guys gotta, you gotta eat. You gotta, because he, and it's because he's like, I have a ticket for this live stream. I don't want to watch it. If you guys haven't eaten like, and yeah, he, he's, yeah. We've just gotten to meet the best people who, you know, Thunder Bay's got a great network. 
really a really great and supportive business network that that we've been so very fortunate to tap into as, as and help out with you know our branding and 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 again right getting those our voice to be you know projected more further by their voices and so be it and so forth so I want to switch gears and, and pick your brain about uh, like sort of the music industry as a whole. Oh, so one, buddy. Oh, God. <laughs> one question uh, that I've always, I mean, many questions, but one I want to start with is like the the stereotypes or sort of the implied branding that comes on genres, right? Like you think about a country, country artist, you can almost picture what a country artist looks like. Uh, same with rock too. Like you, you got to have the denim there's whether it's white t-shirts or the jean jackets or the leather jackets, it all sort of fits a mold. Do you think that helps or hinders bands coming up into those genres? Um, or does that prevent them from being themselves? I mean, I, I, see country's a weird one. I have, I have a, a good buddy of mine named Andrew Hyatt and him and I, I love Andrew Hyatt. Him, him and I, uh, him, him and I play uh, Call of Duty together sometimes. Nice. And uh, I got to meet him because his producer is Derek Hoffman, who is our producer. Oh, right on for for the last couple of records. And uh, he, you know, he he has like a very rock rock style and mentality. He's got a big beard. He wears like these cool leather jackets from this company mm-hmm. that I wish would you know that sponsors him, but I wish would sponsor me too. <laughs> uh, you know, um, but. So he's kind of that, like, you know, kind of breaks that mold of the, you know, the the prototypical cowboy boot, cowboy hat, you know, kind of guy. And, he you know, he's covered in, you know, uh, black and white American traditional tattoos. And that's, you know, so that it, it is kind of weird. I mean, for us, like the 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 denim and. It just, I don't know. It just kind of feels, it just feels natural. You know, it, it's not that, forced for sure. It, it really, it really isn't. Like I remember, I remember my dad used to wear this jean jacket every day and it, it had his, his, his union crest on the back of it. Cause you know, he's a union man. Like, I think I mentioned that earlier. I, I don't know. <laughs> it's been a while, um, but he had that, he had that and he wore that jacket all the time. And it's funny. He gave that to our friends in, uh, he gave that jacket to Jordan, I think from uh, a band called Texas King. He's a buddy of ours. Uh, so I think Jordan's got it cause it definitely was, it wasn't going to fit me. Um, but, uh, yeah, like that was just, my dad wore fucking Canadian tuxedos every day. So like you so, said, like going back to the, the blue collar town, like yeah. denim was, you knew you grew up looking at it and, you know, all of our dads had leather denim growing up kind of thing. And, uh, just yeah. naturally it's just what we want to wear. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's just, I would have worn denim whether I was in a rock band or not. So it doesn't feel too forced, but, um, no. And, that, and that's true. You know, that's true to a point, right? Like there is like an image thing behind it, right. It, too, you know, and I think, I think Springsteen's a huge driver of, of, of that. And, and he, you know, there's no bones about it. You know, Springsteen is one of my favorites. I have a, I have a born to run tattoo. Um, it's just, it, it comes with the territory. You know, I, I, I play a, you can't see it right now, but I, I, I play a blonde, uh, you know, a, a blonde American telecaster. You know, that's my main, main guitar. You know, that's just how it is. Uh, there is a working class sound when it comes from that guitar due to the fact that, that is 
that working class Americana sound, you know, that's Tom Petty and, Mm -hmm. uh, and Bruce Springsteen and Bob Dylan when he went electric, you know, so that there is something that comes from that. But as far as image goes, I, I, we kind of just fell into it. I, I, I guess, you know, it, it definitely, you, you look at it and like, like we kind of, me and Nick have had the conversation a couple of times. It comes about those like leather biker jackets as far as mm-hmm. we go. And like every indie rock dude in Toronto or everywhere wears those now. So we're kind of out of it. We're like, we're just going to stick to the denim and rock our yeah. sneaker. Like we're a sneaker rock band. <laughs> You know, we, we, we like Vans and Converse and, yeah. you know, we don't need, we're not going to, I used to wear like, I used to wear these Brogue shoes, like these, they were really nice uh, every time we play and I ruined them because <laughs> I play, I played in them. Yeah. Uh, but like, I don't know, there's just nothing comfortable, more comfortable to me than playing a show in a pair of Vans. The rock genre is interesting too. Like even thinking back to the eighties, it was all like the sex, drugs, rock and roll, like bands like Motley Crue and stuff like that with their antics and how it's changed over the years, just with the world and everything. Like, I feel like none of that stuff would fly anymore. Like those bands just depends on money. Like they were making, they were making serious money back then in the eighties, you know, like, so it didn't matter if they fucking trashed a hotel room because they were making tons of money. Yeah. The wardrobe costs were covered. You know, yeah. like everything was covered. It didn't matter. They didn't care because they were also so selling I don't know if you mean a pair of, of leather chaps. Oh yeah, not a fucking chance. <laughs> you, know how hard, you know how fucking hard that would be to breathe in at this point. <laughs> like, what's your thoughts on like, uh, it's like the gimmicky genres? I always like, I always think about. Well, even like top forties pop and stuff like that. It can get k- pretty gimmicky with like a Lady Gaga meat dress or something like that. But I'm thinking like, like death metal bands, like they really play into like masks or drinking blood on stage or having a goblin lead singer or something ridiculous like that. Do you think that that stuff like, like why does it work? Why do fans love that? Because it's it's not who they are in the real life. It can't be authentic. Like why it's, do fans love that? It's fantasy though. It's like people people some some people go to you know people go to rock shows and 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 listen to music for all different reasons. And part of it is to to escape, mm-hmm. you know. So those those things are just like it's it's all part of the entertainment. Yeah, it's just an entertainment. It's just another thing. It's all part of the it's all part of the show, right, Jay? Like. Yeah, well, we toured with a guy. Uh, we toured with Danko Jones, and um, I guess that's the best upfront experience I've had with that. Danko Jones. Played he had Transcona. Very, um, hmm? We played in Transcona. Mm. Yeah, I know the bar. Was it uh, the country? It the, the, con- the country bar that's attached oh. to the Canadiana Inn or the Nash- Canadian? The Canadian Can- Canada Inn. Yeah, the, uh, the Canada was, uh, Inn. Nashville's. It. Nashville's. Yeah, right? Nashville's. Yeah, we yeah. played there, and nobody liked us. We drove oh. overnight through a snowstorm in Calgary, or from Calgary to Winnipeg. We made it there. Sick. We, Jay was sick. And Jay, oh. you, you were driving with me that night, remember? Yeah, and I yeah. And we and we like you were looking at the fucking phone to see where the curves in the road were because we couldn't see two feet in front of us. And we drove through the night. We made it from Calgary to Winnipeg through the worst snowstorm in the prairies, um, in a long time, and. We made it there. I literally remember getting out, getting to the loading dock and getting out and literally like praising the ground because <laughs> I thought we were going to die. 
And lo and behold, the next winter we rolled our van. Uh, but the, uh, yeah, like that was, that was, nobody liked us. It was the weirdest fucking night. I wasn't at the show. That's why. They all loved us in Calgary the <laughs> night before, but they didn't love us in Winnipeg. Anyway, Jay, D- Danko Jones, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, like uh, just yeah. So like Danko Jones has a very um he has this very like drug, sex, and rock and roll vibe about him, like very aggressive on stage, and he's a rocker, and the crowd just eats it up. And um it was actually at might have been that show. He it was the first time I had talked to him, and like when he approached me, I was kind of nervous because I was like, Oh, this guy's like way tougher than me, and he's kind of a scary dude, like when he's on stage, like you know, and um, he came up and in the softest voice, he was like, hey, guys, I heard you guys drove throughout the night. And he had glasses on his hoodie up. He's like, man, props to you guys. And he was just like talking so soft. And I was like, wait, is this Danko? Like, wait, is like after he walked away, we we're like, was that Danko Jones? Like, yeah. And it was like this Jekyll and Hyde kind of thing going on. And uh, I was like, oh, man, like he's he's like he's probably tough. But I mean, he doesn't like carry himself off stage like that. And, um, that was the first, like, I think band we had played with that had that like showtime kind of persona and then off stage, um, just who they were. That, and, that, um, but it really worked for him, like going on mm-hmm. stage and with his branding, like with the way his songs are, the kind of rock songs they are, it, like that attitude really suits those songs and it makes you into the show more. If you went up there with glasses and, was just like, oh, thanks everybody for coming out. Uh, the song's called Do You Want to Rock? And he started playing this, you know, insane yeah. riff. I don't know if people have been as into it. You know, yeah, it, ex- it just ex- adds that. Exactly. Layer. You know, he he was one of the, that, that tour was insane for us. That uh, was, it was a wild tour. We found out uh, from our agent at the time that we, we received that tour uh, we, we got the opening spot because somebody, uh, somebody had to cancel because of, uh, for whatever reason. And, um, we're like, great. When is it? And the guy goes, it starts tomorrow. And he go, okay, where does it start? And, they, and he goes, Grand Prairie, Alberta. And you're in Thunder Bay. Well, meanwhile, I was in Toronto oh. <laughs> and, and the guys were back home in Thunder Bay. So we get the call. We're like, okay, we're doing it. Nick agrees. Nick hooks up the van and trailer. He's new to a drive. He's, he just got his, he just, I'm sorry, beer. <laughs> he just got his driver's license. He's never driven the van here. Not just, but he's never driven the van before. And he's never mm-hmm. driven with a trailer before. So he drives across town, meets up with Kevin and Jay. They load up the whole van and trailer and they're gone. They're literally from the time it was less than three hours between the time we got the phone call and we, and they'd left. I'd switched. So they, and they drove for 28 hours straight in the van. They picked me up in Edmonton. I flew, I had a 16 hour travel day, met them in, <laughs> met them in Edmonton. And then I drove the rest away from Grand Prairie or from Edmonton to Grand Prairie through a snowstorm. And I, there was That's a, unreal. there was a Canyon where I remember driving and the whole thing opens up and your curtain, it curves down. And I just remember, okay, this is it boys. <laughs> the, the, and it's just big Canyon down a hill, and you're going down a hill and there's a Canyon to your left. And I just went, Nope, <laughs> this is it. And, um, no, we made it there. And I remember Danko 
We didn't get to meet them because we made it. We made it just in time for us to load all our gear in, and they and the the place is called Better Than Ed's, better better than Fred's, I think it was called. The better venue. than Fred's. Better than Fred's. And again, one of those nights, nobody knew who we were. The bar was packed. There was three hundred mm-hmm. people in it, and everybody was sitting down when we played. But just to pedal back a little bit, they had security guards help us load our trailer and set and get our gear up on the stage. Uh, they had parking spots designated for us. They had hotels waiting for us uh, they, because they knew what was up. They gave us extra money. Um, <laughs> the owner was super cool. Uh, we sold. And the worst part, the weirdest part was, is that nobody, nobody really reacted to anything we were doing. We had enough time to like set up and like go to the bathroom. And then we were on stage after driving, after having these crazy travel days. Yeah. And like, I'm going to say mine was definitely easier. Uh, Being in a van for 28 hours is like a nightmare to us now. Uh, I was in it, you know, I still had a 16 hour travel day before. No, maybe 12 hours plus the six hour drive. But still, that's a long day. But then you had a 28 hour day on the the dudes you're playing with. They don't, they're, they're not too thrilled. So (laughs) we slept for a while. That, that yeah, no night. kidding. All of us really did. And um but Danko gave us praises every night because of the because he's you know, these guys just drove for 28 hours. That's rock and roll. If you don't appreciate that, you're fucked. And then <laughs> and, and after the show, we sold so much merch in Grand Prairie. That's awesome. One dude That's just awesome. was like, "Hey, I'm going to buy how many CDs would $200 give me?" I want to give them to all my friends. It was awesome. Yeah, it was man, fucking awesome. As many as you want. Yeah, yeah. Well, how many do you want? How many friends do you have? That's insane. You know, and so Danko like, seems like that stand-up guy, though. Oh, he's the best. Yeah. And like, it was, it was every night. It was, it was Winnipeg. Yeah, cool it, it was Calgary. It was Alberta. You know, even though we didn't quite match up at, stylistically at at the time, or even now, we probably don't. We probably hold up a little more because our tune. We have a, a couple more heavier tunes. Yeah. Um. In our in our in our bank at this point but you know for him to go up there and be like the honest heart collective is rock and roll every night was like pretty mind-blowing yeah so i'm actually really happy you brought up danko jones because that was that was one of the questions i had down to pick your brains about is it's interesting because on a on a corporate brand side we always preach if you're not authentic people are going to see right through it and they're not going to buy your product but it seems like in the music industry, there's this flexibility. Like you said, it's that entertainment value, right? People want to go buy tickets. And that's not the first time I heard that about Danko Jones. I feel like that's kind of widely known now or, or somewhat widely known now where people just don't give a shit because they're loving his music. They love him and they're going to go experience that show and still be a fan. Well, the thing is, is there's still something there's still there's still something we said and there, it's definitely still authentic. You know, like it's not like he he's not just. Like that, that he's, he's, he's a man of two personalities without question. Like, it's not just him putting him. He's not just putting on an act when he goes on stage. Like that is genuinely him. Like, Mm -hmm. like a switch flips, you know, because that's a guy you can't, you couldn't, you couldn't, you can't go from being timid and shy and, and, and soft-spoken and, you know, to that without that being genuine he you know just because he's got these two the the two personalities things going doesn't mean it's you know it's 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 it isn't genuine but Mm -hmm. but there is still something to be said like 
about about how that how that all translates, you know, and us meeting meeting him and being like, hey, and him being hey, and all you know, all chill about it versus like a fan surprising being surprised about it because we never met him the first the first night because they were already gone back at their hotel by the time we got there so they didn't show up until we were like finished playing um the first the very first night so the first time we saw him he's this big larger than life dude in a three-piece rock band filling up the whole stage and then it's the next night in for me it was the next night in edmonton when i walked into the, the venue and we were trying to figure out where to load in and he was just this very soft-spoken dude checking, sound-checking and testing out a guitar on the stage. It was mind-blowing to me. But at the end of the day, like he, that, he's, he's one of the most genuine people in, in, in the music industry. In the, well, in the Canadian music industry, anyway. Absolutely. What do you think about like bands like I go back to Motley Crue that live this sort of like sex, drugs, rock and roll stuff. This, you know, we take drugs every single night and then they all get sober or they all have wives. So it's like very toned down. Is it inauthentic to their brand at some point? Do you think they're going to lose fans because of that? Or what are your thoughts on that? I don't think so. They I built think, that. Well, I mean, realistically, their fans are growing with them. Yeah. You know, everybody who loved Motley Crue in the 80s is on, is the same age as Motley Crue now. Mm-hmm. And, and if they're still partying and doing drugs every night, then I'm sure they're probably... It, it, you got to slow down sometime. Yeah. And you can tell the ones who don't. Like, I, yeah. I don't know. Jay, do you have any thoughts on that one? Um... I just think like back then it was like a lot more accessible and it just kind of, it went with the name when you were a rock band. I think now it's not, I think when I hear rock and roll, it's not more, it's not as common as it used to be. And I don't know if that's because people label that as gross or dirty, or they just don't care if you do drugs or not. Um, I just think back then, um, I think it was just, that was just kind of part of the image and it worked with them. And you know, fans went through those growing pains when like, you know, their favorite artists went to rehab and, you know, it, and so many bands kind of did those sort of cycles that just went with the image. But um, now I don't know why, like it's because I don't really like we've played with a lot of bands and I don't I we don't really see a lot of drugs outside of our band. So I don't know if that's because there's so much more competition and you got to be on your A game or I I actually don't have an answer for like why it's um, the way it is now. Um, I just think now it like, I can imagine if we were all doing drugs and stuff, it'd be just so much harder than it already is. And it just, the band wouldn't have any longevity. We don't have Mm -hmm. the money to have a Coke habit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Also like, that, yeah, yeah. Like none of like that, 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 that's, we don't have that capital, you know, <laughs> at, at the end of the day, like we're trying to figure out how, you know, we're all trying to figure out how we're going to pay off these debts and finance, you know, finance the next record as opposed to, you know, like, can you imagine we're like, oh, we got to finance this, uh, someone's coke habit. Like that's not, that's not going to work. You know, we don't, we don't, we don't make that much. Like, but they were making serious money. Yeah. But they yeah. were writing really good music too. Like I mean, I mean that's debatable. Well, I mean, <laughs> for that time, though. for that time, yeah. I, well, yeah. for them, honestly, the sh- it was the show more than it was the music. Like they, they, they were 
the you know between them and and them on the west coast and kiss on the east coast it was like the two of those those bands being like we're gonna put on a stadium level show in a nightclub yeah you know and so like for them that was the that was the appeal like yeah they got some really good they have some good tunes and like kickstart my heart and dr feel good and like that that whole record was was really cool and and had a and had a lot of a lot of a buying power for them and 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 it made them who they were and and we all watch we watch that that uh that the dirt um Netflix movie. Yeah, Netflix, we we watched yeah. it. We watched it while we were on tour together, and we thought it was fucking hilarious. It was cheesy, but you know, and it was like debauchery in its at its finest. Um, and but we all thought it was hilarious, mm-hmm. um, because of how different it 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 is for for uh, you know how different it is for us. Yeah. In, in, in retrospect, like. Uh, you know, it's, it's it's just not the reality of the genre anymore. Like, no. yeah, like Motley Crue, there was like Rat and Poison and Aerosmith. Like, they're all doing the exact same, Guns and Roses, right? They're all doing the exact same stuff. And people gravitated to these bands that were doing it the loudest and the hardest. Yeah, totally. And, and nowadays, like, if that was a band that came out, no one would give a shit. Like, they wouldn't gravitate to that because that's not that's not the style. That's not what people. That might be see. a bit of a herd mentality. Like, if everyone else is doing like. You kind of just follow the trend, maybe. Like, I don't... Um, I guess the two big examples would be, like, your Alice Cooper to, like like you said, Motley Crue. Like, Alice Cooper doesn't really... I don't even think he drinks. Like, I think he's just, like, a... He's a very... But he was huge, and he had a great success. So it, maybe it comes down to just the product. Like, if you have a great product, you, you will find a fan base... Um, regardless on how you choose to carry your your show that that crowd might be different depending on how you which direction you go in with that but um i think it actually just comes down to maybe the product and what's current like what the what society is kind of rolling with at the time as a band do you guys think that you're the product would you say that that's what you what you are I would like to wake up and tell myself that. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, at the end of the day, they're they're buying tickets, they're buying merch, they're they're it's buying like streams and stuff like that. But ultimately, aren't they buying you? I mean, they're buying pieces of us, yeah, in, in, in different in different uh, capacities, you know. And there's yeah. different marketplaces, like you know, like they're buying the show or they're buying the merchandise or or you're buying the or you're listening, you're choosing to li- spend your you know your $9 a month streaming membership on listening to our band. Like you're, you're all buying bits and pieces of, 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 a, of any artist, you know, if you're a fan of them. Um, and, and, that, and that's kind of it. I mean, at the, I guess like when you really think about it, like if you look at the backstreet boys, like the five of them were the product songs were fucking great but like the label sold them as five good looking dudes to try to you know that guys wanted to be and girls wanted to be with mm-hmm. or, or girls wanted to be and guys wanted to be with there's no rules yeah. you know but it was just like that that's how those they were marketed and and that was like huge like all the boy bands like and sync and then vice versa is with the girl groups, you know, like mm-hmm. Spice Girls, like that, like th- th- those were the things where they, it just like really kind of changed the game. 
I think. But I don't for, think, yeah, I, I would, I would say that we're not as packaged as that. Like, no, um, like it, it, I, it, I, I, I don't even think you even need to, like, I like to think of us as like, you don't even know, like you might know our songs, but you don't know what we look like is kind of how I see us as like a, as a, as a band, um, whether they know what we look like or I'm not too sure, but, um, I had yeah, somebody, I, I had somebody tell me that at a show, they thought I'd be taller. <laughs> I've actually served like customers a night after like an envy show. That was the best and, one. And oh, like, man. they've like, like they told me they, they saw a kick-ass band the night before <laughs> and they told me all about it, not knowing that they were watching me all night. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, like I am the drummer and I sit in the background and I've, I've settled into that. Like, and I actually like, like there's a part of me that really likes that. Cause I'm a bit of a reclusive like person. <laughs> I don't know if I could handle like people coming up to me all the time. We were, we were working together that night. And yeah. yeah and they, and they you, recognized you told- Ryan, but they didn't recognize me. And they're like, Oh, is that the singer over there? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, and I, I never really, I would have thrown you under the bus had they come up to me. Yeah, but I love playing along with it. Like, I don't like to be like, hey, I was there. You know, I don't really, yeah. um, you know, I don't usually, uh, I usually have some entertainment and, you know, because like our, our restaurant's right beside those, the place that we work is right beside the venue that we play yeah. at. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't, yeah, I, I would say that we're not like a brand package. Um, I think the music is the brand itself and we're not, I like to disassociate myself from the music we write in that regard. Um, when yeah. you are investing in the Oscar collective, like you're investing in the music, not in like me. Um, and uh, that's, that's how I see us at least. You know, mm-hmm. it's a, uh, you know, it, it, it's a, it's all about the song at the end of the mm-hmm. day. Like we, you know, the product of, of the, the, the honest heart collective is the organization just like, you know, any company, you know, just like heart heartbeat hot sauce is the company, but the sauce is the product, and it's mm-hmm. the same idea. You know, the song is the product, and as long as you got a, co- you know, I am paraphr- I'm stealing this from something, but as long as you have a couple chords in the truth, like that's that's what's gonna that's what's gonna be the the strongest product you can you can put out. Yeah, that's the country motto: four chords in the truth. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah, I think I stole that. I think that's that's from what that's. I think that might be. They they might have said that in. Uh, they say that in a Star Is Born. I think. Maybe. Or like, yeah, music is like. I've had anybody. country fans tell me that before when mm-hmm. they're like vibing off a tune. Yeah, well, that's yeah. your classic four chords and the truth right there. <laughs> yeah. So <But> yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, sure. But yeah, that 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 like that that's that's kind of a a, a big you know. We like the song is the product that we're selling, but t-shirts are also a product we're selling and hearts, hearts, heart sauce, hot sauce is also uh, a product that we're selling. So, you know, it, there's a lot to it at the end and of the day. Yeah. And it's funny to mention because like when I, when like we say that we're a business and we're a product and this and that, I get really, I feel really weird about that because I don't really ever look at us like that, but it is like, that is what it is. But I've just always looked at it. Like I'm just jamming and I'm just kind of, you know, the classic cliche, like, I just love playing music kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Or having, having fun with it, you know? And I think that falls in line with a bit of our, our, our branding is, you know, I don't think any of us really look at it like a package or anything like that. Just always just four dudes who like playing music. And, um, yeah. 
No, that's perfect. I, and I honestly think that's probably a perfect place to wrap up. Um, I think the only question I have for you guys is like you said, you do a lot of these interviews. Um, is there a question that you guys have ever wanted to answer and never been asked? Um, What's your favorite drink to make at the re- at the bar you guys work at? Well, we haven't worked there in like over a year. Now. I oh. serve the drinks. I don't make them. I make oh. them. Jay, I would make we me and Jay were a one two punch at the Sov. Mm-hmm. I'd make them. Jade serve them out. Jade <laughs> Jade punch in the orders. I'd make them. He'd serve them out again. It just kept Look at going. That. <laughs> but me and Jay would work to, work together on a night. Everything would be great. Maybe uh, one I would like is is the instrument you chose the one that you really want, like, how did it come about? Like, how did you start? And is it the one that you wanted to like do? And if, uh, did you try any other instruments or if you had a choice, would you, what would you learn other than your craft? Because for me, um, I started it on guitar, Mm. but I couldn't play you two chords to save my life because I got too frustrated. I've seen you play two chords. You could play two chords to save my life. I can't play two chords well, but, um, yeah. So, uh, and if I had the choice to learn any instrument, it would be piano. Nice. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And I, I started drumming because my dad was a drummer and I, I was normally a hockey player, classic Thunder Bay. Like my son's going to go to the NHL sort of mentality of the family. Get to I the show, baby. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, I had, a, I had a knee injury very early on in my career. And uh, I was like, well, then what am I going to do? And we did guitar for a bit and this and that. And then my dad bought me a drum kit and I looked up to my dad and he knew how to play a bit. And that's how I started drumming. So I kind of got like influenced to start doing it. Mm -hmm. But it was one of those, it took me like a year to finally like click in to be like, I do like this. This is what I want to do. So that's probably my question. The coordination is hard as hell. Like my, my brother's a drummer and I would always pick up his sticks and get on his kit. I could not for the life of me get the coordination down with the hands and the feet and everything. And I feel like just once you nail that, I feel like everything's a little bit easier to kind of get into the rhythm of things. That's what I yeah, want. Once I figure that out, I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I wanted to do before I, I like, before I started playing guitar, I was like, I want to be a drummer. I think I could do that. That looks cool. And, I would, like, uh, and then I started playing and then I started playing guitar after uh, a, a kid actually brought a guitar for show and tell. And he was playing like Blink-182 acoustic guitar. And he was playing Blink-182 riffs on it. And I was like, I can do that. <laughs> I can do that. And so I started doing it and now I'm doing it. And like Nick is a, a guitar player by trade. Like I look at Nick, our bass player, as a guitar player because I grew up watching him playing guitar. He's a phenomenal guitar player. Oh yeah. And, um, he, and he, you know, and he's also, you know, one of the best bassists I've ever gotten, you know, I've ever seen. So, but it's still weird because I, when he picks up a bass, there's a little sliver of me that it's like, that feels a little like awkward that I'm like, it should be, you should be picking up a guitar right now, but he is so, and yeah, it's just kind of funny about like everyone's like Ryan picking up a guitar too is still like weird for me because he was in a band called Amelia and he was always a singer. Yeah, he was always a vocalist. I didn't know he could play guitar until he was like, yeah, I know how to play guitar. And he like was playing chords. And it was funny. Well, cause like w- back then, like Nick and I wrote most of the riffs 
Like I was, I was, a, I was a shredder back in the day. Like I put in, I put in the work back and I don't know what happened, but like, I just kind of lost it. But I was, I, me and Nick wrote most of those riffs together on that, yeah, on, that so. on that record when we did when we were kids. And, and yeah. So and there's it, times where like Ryan does when we cover Mr. Brightside, he doesn't use his guitar sometimes and he, he becomes a front, like a front man without a guitar. Yeah. There's a few and, things. And there's, and and there's some, people something comes out. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like people are like, oh my god, like Ryan without a guitar is like pretty like it's awesome with one, but like when he doesn't have one too, it's like this other sort of thing that it's I didn't a, know was there. It's a, it's a when, whole other when beast. I, yeah, and when I see it, it, that's when I'm like, no, that's the Ryan I know. Mm-hmm. And seeing Ke- and it's like seeing Nick with a guitar. It's like that's the Nick I know, but everybody else doesn't know that. You know, yeah, and see, it's a treat and, for them. Yeah, you know, and seeing Kevin Kevin with a guitar as opposed to a business degree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or like I don't know, any, like a skateboard or anything. <laughs> like, yeah, like, everything I, Kevin does, he does full send in his life. So everything he does, I'm like, yeah, yeah. full send. Yeah, no question. Let's <laughs> see if there's a question anybody would ask me. It's like, why the fuck are your lyrics so sad? <laughs> That's a good question, actually. Not, you know, like what? Who? Who wronged who, you? Who hurt you? Yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, like yeah. that. That'd be one I'd love to ask and never answer. I think. <laughs> Just listen to Liars Club. You'll figure it out. You know, yeah. Listen to that yeah. record. That that yeah. that's that set me up for the no. You go back and listen to that first EP and whatever the fuck I was going through then. That set me up for this whole trip. <laughs> like, yeah. So you know, and, and that that's that's basically it, man. And just I don't know. It's I really appreciate this podcast. I you know we've had a couple beers tonight. I will say. But I really appreciate it. I've said it earlier. It probably in the breaks that are going to get cut out. But I hope this doesn't get cut out because you've really done your research and it really means a lot. So I, I oh, want to say you, I want to say thanks, Justin. Thank you. And I want to thank say thanks to both you guys. Like this is a brand new sort of kick of the bucket for me. And for having you guys come on and take your time and chat with me, it means a lot. So thank you guys so much. Well, oh, hope, no problem, man. Hopefully, we get to do this again because I, absolutely, I, I would, I would, I definitely want to want to stay in touch because yeah, it, it it really does mean a lot, and not to get sappy and sentimental, but it's it's really cool. So thank you, thanks guys. Um, I guess the last thing is where can people find you? Instagram at Honest Heart Co. TikTok Honest Heart Co. Not that we really use it that much because <laughs> uh, we're fucking old in comparison. Uh, you know, Twitter, Honest Heart Co., uh, Facebook, the Honest Heart Collective, because we never got around to switching it over to Honest Heart Co. As far as like our short link branding go, branding branding lingo goes. Uh, uh, Spotify, Bandcamp, Bandcamp, Apple Music. Jay, you're supposed to say one here. <laughs> um, we don't have to hit. Should all of I them. say my address? <laughs> okay, YouTube. Am Amazon Music, we're on all the social media, Every, every everything you everywhere you look, we're there. Yeah, and all the main ones will be in the description of this episode, anyways. And anyone listen to this, if you haven't yet, go check out the Honest Heart Collective right now. Like, no one's gonna regret that. I stand by that. Thanks, man. That means a lot. <laughs> and I think that that's a wrap. So thank you guys again so much. And uh, here's line work by the Honest Heart Collective. Take it easy, everyone. Thanks for having us. You had some of your own Well, I had a few lines myself And though we couldn't afford any of them Well, they still hurt like hell As 